Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. You're allowed to stand on a chair and go woo, 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 as you do when you get to Friday because you think it's been a fairly long week. It's certainly been a a chaotic week news-wise, hasn't it? What with the budget and all the other things. And now the mother of that missing airman has criticised the police for not stopping the dumping of rubbish where they're looking. It's still going on. It's ridiculous. Uh, The diabetes diet alert. Uh, Joan Collins says she's devastated by Tara Palmer Tompkinson's death. Uh, Paul Hollywood's bread is still rising. He's now worth about 10 million. Esther Ransom fears she won't see her grandson Benji grow up. Well, I mean, she's getting on a bit. And so at the age of what she's pushing 80, I think now, I mean, there is that likelihood, isn't there? Unless we're going to live. Although I do have a story about living longer. Scientists say they can extend your life. And I found that eating a certain yoghurt can stave off depression. How about that? There's also another one of those photos in the paper today. It's of a girl who was photographed by her father uh, just before they turned the life support machine off. She was bullied at school. So uh, I, I think he's doing it to shame the bullies. I, wonder if, I don't know. I haven't read the story completely in the papers this morning. But uh, I think people who, who bully at school should be taken out and, uh, and kicked out of the school. There is no room for bullying in schools or anywhere. It doesn't matter whether it's in the workplace. It doesn't matter whether it's... You know, in school or in a place of work, it just really doesn't matter. And this girl was bullied so much that she ended up dying. So what he's done is he's taken a picture of her uh, in her bed before they switch the uh, life support machine off. But I've seen these before. I've seen the parents of, of people who've taken drugs and then went into a coma and they printed the picture hoping that it will stop other bullying or other drug-taking going on. It doesn't work. People still continue to take drugs. Uh, We've had quite a number of cases of young people, some of whom have died. We had a a case the other day in the papers, in fact, this morning, I think it is, um, of a promising footballer who decided to take his own life for reasons... He was only 22. Only 22. I mean, it's just... It's just madness, isn't it, nowadays, that so many young people get so depressed that they actually think about taking their own life, which is never a good thing to do. The only person who who sort of uh, emerges at the end with anything is the person who's taken their own life. It's the family and the friends and the lovers who have to stay behind and try and pick up the pieces. And it's not it's not good at all. So this dad releasing this picture of his uh, daughter. I mean, to be honest, it is a picture that he will treasure for the remainder of his life because that's the last picture of his daughter and um, she looks at peace but just after they took the picture they turned the life support machine off uh, Gareth Thomas I couldn't remember actually when when Gareth Thomas quit the jump I couldn't remember if he was gay or not and it turns out he is gay and uh, anyway so he quit for personal reasons anyway we've seen that in a cafe the other day with a bloke don't tell me he's in love again, not with somebody else. But um, he's, he's a gay rugby player. It seems to be very acceptable in, in rugby. Um, it doesn't seem to make any, any difference at all. He, was, uh, he came out in December 2009. He was voted the most influential gay person in the UK in the pink list. What for? Can somebody explain that to me? I mean, you know, because I'm looking here at maybe two of the most influential people in the heterosexual list. You know, what's the point of that? I don't mean anything either, does it? Diddly squat. Influential as a gay person. To whom? To whom? People who want to play rugby and go, it's OK if you're a Nancy boy. You can play rugby, that's absolutely fine. It doesn't make any difference, really. People don't... I mean, there are probably loads and loads 
of, uh, of gay footballers out there. Um, and they don't come out because, you know, once once they, uh, they, they, they think... What he's done is highlighted the taboo over gay people in professional sport. But they all say that, don't they? Tom Daly said the same. You know, who gets bullied because they're gay in sport nowadays? You just kick them in the nuts and sort them out. You don't bother with these people. I just don't understand why anybody would ever, ever want to want to put up with bullying. You go and complain about it. You go, listen, this person, who's also a professional footballer or, you know, professional darts player, well, maybe not darts players, do they have gay darts players? Not judging by the size of them, they can't, can they, really? I mean, it's not really it's not really an airy-fairy kind of sport to go into, dancing around, throwing a little dart at the board. You know, it's not very exciting, is it, really? It's not very gay. Although I was, there was actually somebody who was fired, uh, Eric Bristow, um, he actually accused footballers of being wimps and asking why alleged victims of sex abuse didn't seek revenge. In one tweet, he uh, appeared to compare being gay with being a paedophile. Not the brightest penny in the box, is he, really? And so he had this sort of homophobic, puff Twitter rant. Pathetic person, honestly. And uh, and uh, what else do we have on... Oh, I don't know. I don't know why it's in sport, isn't it? If somebody was a gay runner, you know, we, we, we've got gay... Lesbian boxers. Why, why, that doesn't make any difference. Nobody gives a stuff about that. You know, the fact that Gareth Thomas looks like standard gay man with shaved head, you know, doesn't make any difference. Who cares? Why do, they, why, why do people have to tell you? You know, I don't know the sexuality of all the people that I work with. You know, I sort of guess, but I it doesn't, doesn't really come into it at all. I don't really care. I don't really care. I don't even care if there's a member of the royal family who's gay. I suspect there probably might be a couple. But it doesn't... I, I couldn't care less about that. I really couldn't care less. I, I worry more about the price of peanut butter, skippy peanut butter in particular, which I'm worried might be going up in price. Uh, rest in profit. George Michael. Uh, you have to pay to go to Highgate ceremony. Uh, cemetery ceremony. It would be a ceremony as well. About four quid, I think, uh, depending on where he is going to be buried. <coughs> we think it's going to be Highgate. It's about four quid, so they could they could be quids in, in the cemetery. Now, I know they've got the Friends of Highgate Cemetery, and I know that they offer tours and everything else, and I'm assuming, I'm only guessing, that, you know, when George Michael is buried, which I think will be sometime next week, uh, it'll be done fairly quickly uh, in the Greek Orthodox way. It'll be family and probably a few chosen friends. That'll be the interesting thing, to see which chosen friends there are. Uh, and will he be buried next to his mother? Don't know. Don't know. None of us know. The only people who know about it are the people who are going to be in charge of his, uh, his mortal remains. But no doubt it'll make the papers. They'll have people stationed out there. They'll be waiting since, you know, for, for, for Monday morning and anything goes in and out. They'll be photographing, hoping that one of them will be George Michael, um, which is interesting. Also, the alleged victims of Lord Janner won't get any of his money. His son claims they'll spend it all on legal costs. So there is no money to, uh, to go. Uh, around so Lord Janner, who had all these claims against him that he was uh, he was into all sorts of things, and the family are going to spend the money. No, there won't be anything left. But they were quite clever before, weren't they? Lord Janner transferred everything into the family's name, so he appeared not to have anything at all. That's what people do. It's it's called tax tax. What do they call it? Avoidance. But it's sort of it's also it's creative account. That's right. That's the word I was looking for. Creative accounting, where you where you put something together, and everybody would do it. Others oh, white van men probably listening at the moment trying to work out if they painted it green would they get away with it and not be a white van man anymore i'm amazed actually at how many of them are sort of complaining to the papers today over paying 240 quid i really can't understand it i mean you know if, if you're earning i think it's up to forty-three thousand pounds it'll cost you about an extra 
240 quid a year. Well, if you really can't find 240 quid a year, get the hell out of your business and go and sort of, you know, make Wendy houses or something stupid like that. Because ridiculous. 240, it just brings you in line with everybody else. And I speak as a self-employed person. Believe you me, I'll be paying a bit more than 240 quid a year. And if I'm not worried about it, why would anybody else be worried about it? I don't understand. People complain about money all the time, don't they? All the time. I haven't got enough money. Can't afford to do this. You know, now we can't have diesel. Now we can't have this sort of car. Oh, God, excuse me. I bought some organic strawberries the other day. I can't taste the difference. They just taste the same to me. Exactly the same. I think they were a bit more expensive. These are sort of, I can't remember where they're from farm somewhere I suppose but uh, it's I do like strawberries if I, I've grown them in baskets before mm. and they're quite nice but I don't think you'd know they were organic if somebody give me a, a taste give me something god I'm falling into that EastEnders towie thing if somebody gave me a series of strawberry tests and said try this one which one do you think is uh, flown in from America which one do you think is British which one do you think is organic I defy anybody to taste the difference I can't taste the difference because I've taken the thing off I can't even tell you where it comes from which doesn't help does it um Philip Schofield likes watching extreme fishing documentaries oh god please tell me they're not going to do one with him in it please god unless they're going to send him out into the Bering Straits fishing for crabs and he's got to be all butch on the deck uh, Danny Dyer's back in EastEnders. Well, rivetingly dull. Does that change your life? <coughs> no. Did you miss him? No, me neither. Uh, also, the... Um, what was the other story? Oh, yes, Meghan Markle. The first charity picture. Meghan looking for all the world like she cares, uh, where they're making sanitary products for women in the third world. And it's a photo opportunity. What they're doing, they're doing the Diana thing, aren't they? Diana was always pictured, you know, holding children who'd been orphaned or whatever. And they're doing Meghan Markle the same way. It's all it's all clever PR. That's what it is. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, yes, the uh, Brooklyn Beckham goes out to buy Lego. How old is he? How old is he? And he goes out with an assistant. The other day he goes out, he doesn't have his arm in a sling. The other day he goes out with his arm in a sling, buying loads of Lego with an assistant who's got to carry it for him. Oh, blimey. Thought you'd have friends, wouldn't you, really? But uh, there again, probably not. Uh, Todd Grimshaw and Billy Mayhew could set to be Corrie's first gay parents. I mean, why? Why? Are they just doing this because they think it's going to be controversial? People who go, oh, gay parents. Ooh, can't believe that one. In Coronation Street. Um, Todd Grimshaw is playing gay. Uh, we've got loads of straight actors playing gay. I don't have any problem with that. It's, you know, it's just when they go on about it, they go, oh, by the way, this is my girlfriend. You go, yeah, and so what? You know, it's like whenever you see an actor, I don't actually believe that Danny Dyer is the vile person he comes over as in EastEnders. I think he's acting. I think that's what it is. Acting is pretending to be somebody else. Years ago, there would have been a, a stigma attached to playing a gay character. That would be that would be seen as a stain on your character. Be going, oh, God, you'll, you'll never get a job again, will you? Why? Why? Why not? Uh, well, because you're playing a gay person. Yeah. Nowadays, you just go, yeah, and? And they go, and I remember, and I'll tell you now for a fact, I remember an Emmerdale actor who was a very pretty boy years and years ago, and they wanted to make the character gay, and he quit. He quit Emmerdale because he didn't want to be playing a gay character. Whereas they've had loads of people playing. It's just a part. It's just a part. It just doesn't mean anything. It's just, you know, you're just, you're just acting. That's all it is. So Mel and Sue snub the nightly show. Uh, they say, oh, because we've got other things on. 
Well, didn't, didn't you look in the diary when they first op, uh, offered it to you? No, you've seen all the resultant bad publicity and realised that this is going to kill your career stone dead. Stone dead. Uh, Christy says, I've been awake all night worrying about things. I went to bed so early yesterday. I mean, ridiculously early. 4.30. 4.30. That was like early. I was so tired. I climbed into bed. and Oh, delicious. Climbed into bed. It was absolutely wonderful. But um, been listening... Uh, about your uh, your trip, says Neil, to uh, to Archway. Don't stand near that fire exit. Oh, I know. The funny thing was, I was nowhere near the fire exit. That's what's so stupid about it. This was a little Jobsworth down at King's Cross. You move over there. Move over there. Go stand the other side. I don't want to stand the other side, OK? Ridiculous, honestly. People are so stupid nowadays. Uh, Steve, pita bread is not high in fat. It is. It is. It is absolutely 36 grams of fat in pita bread. Depends which one you buy, of course. But the one I was buying was 36 grams of fat. And it was way too bad. Way too bad. Uh, what else do we have here? Oh, yes, there's a lovely picture on the front of the Times this morning. The Prince Andrew. What does he do for a living? The answer, nobody knows. But he's got loads of medals on his chest laughing with somebody. And um, Camilla was there and Tony Blair looks miserable. And families, um, the bereaved parents, were not happy about the day at all. So there you go. It was just an opportunity for some uh, for some pictures, wasn't it? But Prince Andrew laughing his way through it. A service for people killed. I mean, hello? Are you in the real world, dear? Or not? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's LBC. It's early breakfast with Steve Allen. It's 20 past four, which means we're in the spike. OK, the spike hits at four, uh, give or take a few, few seconds, and uh, runs through. Thank you very much indeed. We, uh, I, I, what did I wrote? I wrote something the other day. I said, you know, it'd be nice to have competition, but uh, there isn't any competition. But it doesn't matter. We don't blow our trumpet about it because we can't afford to buy a trumpet. Uh, Torville and Dean to sign up for Dancing on Ice Return. Uh, ITV bosses are reviving the Sunday night contest. Um, apparently, they're actually telling us now that they, they put the show on ice, which means putting it into mothballs, because they quit. I don't know. Why, what, why would they make a difference if I just find somebody else, actually? The stars who said they were leaving whilst at the top of the game are now expected to sign a deal within weeks to reprise their roles. I liked Orville and Dean, don't get me wrong. I just thought the programme was crap. I seriously, you know, because they couldn't find any, any proper celebrities. It was third-rate old tat from reality shows or some poor faded old soap star. I mean, at least find some decent people. Uh, Christopher now is 58. I find it difficult to believe as well. But um, the former controller of ITV, Peter Fincham, entered the show rather than try and carry on without them. But they've now got somebody different uh, who looks after it. Uh, they've had all sorts of people on there, but a spokesman for ITV declined to comment. So, in other words, I'm sorry, are you bringing it back? I'm sorry, I don't know. Are you bringing it back? I couldn't possibly comment. I'm sorry. I don't know. don't know myself. You know, I uh, don't know if it's coming back. But you're running ITV. Am I? Good. I couldn't comment on that. I don't know. So would you think you'd be bringing it back? Would you like to bring it back? I don't know. I'd have to look at all the options. I don't know. Seriously, I don't know anything about it at all. Don't ask me! I just don't know anything about it. OK, well, everybody else says it's, it's coming back. Do they? Uh, oh, well, perhaps they know more than I do. All right. Have you signed any contracts? I couldn't possibly comment. It's either a yes or a no situation. God, dear. And the wildebeest are coming in. The lions are moving around the outside. They're grouping. Yesterday I was watching the programme Hunted. I don't know if you've seen it or The Hunt. And it was looking at uh, the wild dogs. And the wild dogs was the mother and 12 offspring. And they work as a pack. Now, the good thing about wild dogs is that they've got 
longevity. They've got stamina. They can keep going and keep going and keep going. And the wildebeest can't keep going. They, they have a point where they just give up. But uh, in this particular case, the wildebeest set off. What the, what the dogs do when they're hunting is they spook the herd. Bear in mind, don't, don't feel too sorry for wildebeest. There are loads of them. OK, I mean, I mean, I know I know it's an animal that's going to die. But there again, you know, if you nick steak, sorry, if you buy steak from a co-op, you know, you will know that, you know, animals die so that you can eat. And it's exactly the same for other animals. This is the way it goes. And we're fascinated by the way the animal kingdom operates. And so they had various things. They had a leopard going out there trying to catch uh, an antelope. And eventually it got one. But surprisingly, the thing got away and it grabbed it by the throat. And that's what they do. They hang on underneath trying to suffocate it. This antelope got away. A miracle. You know, I'm cheering, whoop, 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 getting excited. But out come the hunting dogs and they start chasing about 20 wildebeest. And then the wildebeest do something that confuses the hunting dogs. They split off in every direction. And so you've got one lot down the middle, one off to the right and one off to the left. The dogs don't quite know what to do. So they chase two of them, some of the dogs. Some of the other ones keep going because they're blind. They just keep keep going on, going on, going And the other two go off to the thing. And what these wildebeest do is they go side by side, back to back. So there's always a set of horns at the front. And eventually the dogs, after what seems like an eternity, and it must have seemed like that, decide to give up and go and join the other dogs because they were getting nowhere because both these wildebeest... What they try and do with wildebeest is, what are they going for? Their legs. Their dogs are going for the legs. Once they've got the legs then it can bring the animal down. And their whole thing is to bring the animal down. So they eventually sort of set off. And uh, eventually, this poor wildebeest has been targeted. It's the one that's a little bit behind them. And it's not going to go... I mean, I've seen reindeer fending off dogs uh, by going and standing in freezing cold water. The dogs won't, won't go into the water. And also, if you're dealing with somebody who's got horns, you know, like six foot on top of your head, you're not going to risk anything. That's why the water buffalo are, generally speaking, quite safe, because they can literally toss these uh, lions and dogs up in the air and it can kill them. So that's why it was interesting. And eventually all these dogs piled in on this uh, on this wildebeest. They've got it. They, they, they got its legs and then they just they just literally start eating while the thing is alive. And whilst it was fascinating to watch. At the same time, it's macabre. And you think, why didn't they save it? And the answer is because you can't, because you can't interfere with nature. But then they had all sorts of other things. They had a spider that spins a web across 25 feet. It literally shoots this web out of its body, which drifts on the breeze and anchors itself on a tree or a leaf or whatever. And then it builds this web in the middle. Because at a certain time in the day, all these mayflies come out uh, termites, flying termites, and it catches them. And what it does is they land on the web and the spider comes down and wraps it up. Very macabre. Wraps it up and saves it in its larder for later. So it's I've seen uh, different things, different things about it. <laughs> so, uh, But I watch it with fascination. And it's a three DVD set, so that, that kind of sort of livened up my afternoon. Uh, the story in the paper today about women having a voice in St Paul's. This is Caris Jones. We'll sing alto in the choir. This is an old. This is about a two-week-old story. Why the mirror? Perhaps they sort of go. Have we got an old story we can recycle that nobody will notice except Steve Allen on LBC? He'll notice it. He'll notice it because I do these stories every day. I find them. Uh, also, the headless remains of a woman murdered by her husband twenty years ago have been found in a reservoir. 
A horrified dog walker spotted a decomposed body. Her remains were found tied to a concrete block. That's what people do now, isn't it? Years ago, they used to do it to a salt block. They would tie you to a salt block, drop you into a river, <coughs> and the salt would, would drag you down to the bottom. It was the block. Then it would dissolve, and with it, the ropes, so you would float to the top with no visible means of knowing how you died. The other thing was apparently very popular with sort of East End gangsters bricking you up in a in a motorway bridge. How that worked, I've got no idea. I don't know if they, they did it after they disposed of you. It was all very odd. Uh, the rugby swing low song is a no-go. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low. Anyway, a music history professor said, I feel kind of sad. Uh, Josephine Wright, a professor of music and black studies in Ohio, said it showed a total lack of understanding. The slave song is belted out at games. England star Mako Vunipola, of Tongan descent, said, If the fans want to sing it, then let them sing it. If people find it offensive, sorry. I've never even thought they've been singing it for donkey's years, haven't they? And now all of a sudden it's, um, it's, um, it's a black song. And so Josephine Wright says it shows a total lack of understanding. I hate to tell you this, Josephine, but we've been singing it over here for God knows how many years. Where have you crawled out from? Why don't you say something years and years ago? Don't you have They don't have rugby, do they, in America, I don't think. Do they have rugby, football? No. don't think so. They just have sort of football and baseball, or as we used to call it, rounders. That's all it is. Oh, I throwed the ball over there. Bad cricket. Cricket where you hold the ball. And then throw the ball at the thing there. And they've all got little face masks. Oh, it's just really... It's girly game, rounders. Have you seen them playing at the stadiums? They're in a bit of hot dogs, popcorn. They wander up and down the aisles, and people sit there and go... Uh, you know, they get very excited, the Americans. They love their um, their sort of footballing kind of stuff, don't they? I think they're, I think they're actually starved of anything exciting at home. Because I, I, I see a woman on the television. I think she might be called the Countess. And she does a cookery programme. And um, she's got, oh, this is gorgeous. And uh, we take this and we put this in there. And the wildebeest are coming round the outside and they're running through. And they're trying to get through the river. Trying to get through the river. But the crocodiles are waiting. But the trouble is, the crocodiles who've been waiting there eight a year ago, the last time the wildebeest went, because what, the, what they're doing, the wildebeest are following the rain and the new pastures. And to get to the new pastures, they've got to cross the Umboto River. The Umboto River now is full of crocodiles. However, the crocodiles are lazy. They last ate a year ago. Bearing in mind, they don't need to cook any of their food. They just need... Not one crocodile to do it, but lots of them. So once one crocodile has dragged in a wildebeest into the river, they then, because they can't bite through anything, they've got to turn it round. So they spin in the water. And then all the other crocodiles pull bits off. So the thing has drowned. And then, you know, and they will eat, but they will only, 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 only eat for a year. So they eat on that one day and that will keep them going for a year. They're clever, aren't they? I want to go anywhere near them. They frighten the life out of me. Eight four eight five O Steve at LBC. JP the trolley dolly says. Speaking of white van men, there are some crazy ones out on the M1 this morning. We're taking our lives in our own hands here on the bus. I can well imagine. I can well imagine. It's terrible, isn't it? Really. I don't think it's just white white van men. I don't know why poor old white van men came in for it, but they uh, they did. Uh, Paul says. I hope that Meghan doesn't marry Prince Harry, as she'll be as unhappy as Diana was. Not really ready for royal life. I don't think anything prepares them for royal life. I, I mean, I really don't think anything prepares them for royal life. Uh, uh, Darley says, good trip to Lille next week. 
not 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 today. Next week, <coughs> excuse me, the seventeenth, which is my birthday. So I managed to achieve forty-three. Woo! Exciting is that? Very exciting. So that's we. Lots of people have written to me about um, about going to Lille and places to go to. Thank you very much indeed. And um, it's Janet who says Peterborough is not high in fact. It is it is? I'm ever so sorry. It is thirty-six grams of fat. It's uh, it's very fatty. You shouldn't have it. Not good for you. You can have it with a with a burger. Uh, not a burger. Well, actually, you can put a burger in it as well, actually. And some onions and everything else. That would probably be quite nice. I put grated cheese in there with bits of chopped up chicken. That's very nice indeed. And then a bit of salad cream over the top. Yumma, yumma, yumma. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to five. Over in America, they're going to have uh, an execution fest. And the reason they're having it, and uh, this is eight prisoners in ten days. Eight prisoners. They're going to be killed by lethal injection. The reason they're doing them is because the supply of lethal drugs that they've got, the sell-by date, is about to expire. And they don't make it anymore. This is a drug called midazolam. Uh, Midazolam um, is an injection and it forms the basis of killing people. What it does is it slows the heart down. And then eventually stops it. In America, they used to have uh, the uh, the electric chair, which they had dreadful problems with. Uh, some of them were quite quite old, and they would burst into flames. The people would burst into flames at the same time. Uh, on the lethal injection side, they thought it was the most humane way to dispose of people who had killed other people. They'd been found convicted and they were on on death row. Uh, These will have to be done as like a conveyor belt. Over here, (coughs) excuse me, we just hanged people. As far as I know, America didn't hang people. Other countries hang people or they use firing squads. But in the majority of places in America, it's this lethal injection. So consequently, the people who are going to be killed are listed in the paper. I won't go into uh, their names or anything like that. Uh, You just need to know that these people have murdered other people and taken their lives, or in some cases, quite a number of lives, and so they got the death penalty. In America, because it's such a long, drawn-out procedure, you can can die waiting to die, if you see my uh, my meaning. Um, It it does evoke an assembly line here, but then they do that in China. They do exactly the same in in China, where they, they hang lots of people at the same time. We used to do it. It's nothing new. We used to do it in... um, in the wartime, I can remember Britain's last official hangman went out and executed, I think, 13 people. A line of 13 people. 13 people on the same scaffold. I think two US states, I think, yeah, two, uh, are legally allowed to hang people. The last American to be hanged died in 1996 because I'm assuming it's quicker. The problem they had with this drug for the lethal injection was that one man, after 13 minutes... Uh, clenched his teeth and started mumbling and all the rest of it. And he struggled to talk. Um, Then they sort of tried to give him another dose. It was a, you know, he went through two consciousness tests as he heaved and coughed 13 minutes into a lethal injection. Eventually, he died of a heart attack 43 minutes after he was initially injected. Now, to be honest with you, one half of you is probably saying, good, he suffered. The other half is saying that's not what their their reasoning for it is. They want to make sure that if you're going to kill somebody, that they, they die quickly 
and effortlessly. They don't want people to sort of start stringing out. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. We offer somebody that at the end of their life, whereas they offered the person they killed no such rights at all. They just hacked and killed the people to death. And um, and you worry about it, don't you? So they're now going to have to use up their supplies of midazolam because uh, it's got a sell-by date on it, and apparently then it loses its potency. I wonder why you would... Would that be a drug that was produced solely for the purposes of stopping somebody's heart, purely for executions? Because uh, chemists uh, don't, uh, don't sell it, because there's been so many botched executions, so I don't know really what it would be used for. I don't know what they use at Dignitas. I think you have to take a lethal cocktail, but you have to administer it. You have to push the button or drink something, whatever it is, you have to do it. But uh, eight prisoners who've been waiting. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've seen people on death row. I've seen we make programmes about them. I've seen the documentaries. I find it only as interesting uh, as much as somebody's been over there and spoken to these people. I've, you know, if, if it had been a member of my family who had been um, executed by these people whose life they had taken, then I wouldn't be feeling so kindly disposed. Uh, didn't the French use the guillotine or the garrote? They used the guillotine, yes. They, they spent ages perfecting the guillotine. and, um, and that, But, of course, we were doing that prior to that, without using the guillotine. We were, we were doing beheadings. Go to the Tower of London, you could see the axe, and you can see one of the blocks that they used, and people knelt down. Bearing in mind, the people who are executed now in certain countries, I think they give them some sort of drugs. Some sort of drugs. But uh, in the early... I mean, we were as barbaric as the next nation. We were having executions inside uh, the Tower of London and outside the Tower of London. I think, I think mainly the guillotine was used during the French Revolution when they were bringing in hordes in the tumbrils of all the, uh, of all the, uh, the aristocrats who were to lose their heads. The French stopped using it in the 1970s. Then they abolished capital punishment in 1981 because it's never been a deterrent... That's the whole problem about the capital punishment. You would think, I mean, you'd be thinking probably, um, well, you know, if somebody said to me there is a death penalty if you do this, it used to be for the murder of policemen, children and old people, kind of didn't leave anybody else in the middle of it. And, uh, and people said, but it's not a deterrent. There are still murders. There are still people who go out there because there are people who've got sicknesses. And they, they do that. They do things like they couldn't care less. Somebody sort of said, oh, you know, you could be executed. Pfft, what do they care? What do they care? They're not remotely bothered. They've got a programme coming up on the television where they're talking about the Wests. I mean, luckily, he did the decent thing and hanged himself in prison. If only she'd done something fairly decent and similar, that would make it a lot easier. But there are lots of these people who go out there and they murder without any regard for anybody whatsoever. We're fascinated by them. I'm not interested in their minds because generally they've got you know more than a few screws loose. But, uh, but you do worry about this... Uh, this sort of supply of lethal drugs. So you can't get it anymore. So what are they going to do now? They might have to go back to uh, to hanging. Might be the, the way forward. You can, you can go onto the internet and find all sorts of things, actually. And, uh, and as I say, it's, it's just... I don't know. It isn't a deterrent. I know that. That's why they've said, should we not bring back the death penalty in this country? I said, but what, what good would it do? Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't make any difference at all. You'd still have exactly the same crime... Exactly. Somebody says, don't worry about white van men. Watch out for taxis. I watch out for everything, actually. Uh, people complaining about, you know, we were trying to find out ages ago. We've been doing it over the years. It's never, I never actually got anywhere at all uh, on how much taxi drivers earn. <coughs> I was reading something the other day. People who delivered the Amazon parcels, they reckon on about 200 quid a day for delivering. Seems like quite good money, doesn't it, really, if you're not earning very much. Uh, then the people 
in Pret-a-Manger, where they were complaining the other day that only one in 50 people is British who goes in for a job. As I say, you're hard pushed to find anybody British in any Pret-a-Manger's. You're hard pushed to find anybody British in any of the coffee shops. I don't think I've been in a coffee shop yet where there's somebody British in there. I've seen a few in there, but they don't last very long. I don't know whether or not it's it's the money or anything else. Pret-a-Manger say 16,000 a year on average, but if you stick with them for a few years, you could up it to about 40 grand a year. God, there's a lot of money. Ian Collins was talking about that last night. I mean, asking asking that question, are we just lazy? The answer is yes. It is true. We t- you know, I'm sorry, work for how much? 16,000 a year? Are you mad? Not getting out of bed for that. But uh, that's why all, all the Polish girls working in the coffee shops, this is about three times what they'd be earning at home. They welcome it with open arms and they'll cling on to that job so they, uh, so they use them. Good workers. Good workers. The British, they go, oh. It's like, you know, there used to be that old joke, didn't it, years ago? The uh, the two shops on the high street. And one you go into and the shopkeeper go, sorry, mate, we're just, just closing. It's coming up to five o'clock. You know, we don't you wandering around the store and everything else. So we're just closing. Oh, OK. Um, could I not just... No, not where I'm closing in a minute. You know, it's coming up five o'clock. Thank you. Come back tomorrow. No, I want it now. So they wander off. They go to the next store where they stay open later. It was the corner shops, wasn't it? They open from six in the morning and they're still there at 10 o'clock at night. You know, working, working very hard. We've got a coffee shop opens at seven o'clock. All our coffee shops open at seven in the morning because that's the time people want a cup of coffee. You know, you don't want to sort of... And they're always very pleasant, always very, very charming. Well, there's one person who's not in our Starbucks, but that's another story. Uh, so <laughs> uh, they even call the baseball the World Series. Steve, can you actually name another country taking part? We think it's named after the World New York New York World Magazine. That's what we think it is. We think it, it, it doesn't actually mean World Series, you know, as in other countries taking part, because it's not just an opportunity to sell hot dogs and um, and ice creams and things like that. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm early or on time. No, you're uh, you're early, uh, Cliff. It's not my birthday till next week. Not my birthday till next week. What a 42, honestly, 41. I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm going to make it, actually. Um, there's also the story of the paper today of the couple who tried to snatch a baby from uh, Great Ormond Street Hospital. Uh, the pair told the staff they'd come to collect the infant from the neonatal unit. Uh, the man, 31, and the woman, 25, had a photo of a baby in incubation, believed to have been screen-grabbed and printed from the web. They allegedly said that their baby was born, <clears throat> born at 21 weeks. Anyway, uh, they weren't allowed to do anything. Uh, Scotland Yard said it was looking into reports a couple matching the suspect's description had been inquiring about a baby uh, three days before the alleged abduction. But uh, they found them and they've been bailed on condition they do not enter any hospital. Dear me, honestly. You've got to watch everything now, haven't you, really? There's all sorts of people. I do like the story. Only a little tiny story of the Enid Blyton note. A note from Enid, Enid Blyton, dating back to 1956, was discovered inside a second-hand book that cost a quid. And the inscription said, Dear Mary, congratulations on winning one of my prizes. Love from Enid Blyton. I think it's worth hundreds of pounds. It's worth having, isn't it? A signature of Enid Blyton. How lovely. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I had to laugh. If there's one person whose career is going backwards, that would be Gemma Collins, who laughingly calls it a career, breaking down on a television programme, going, I can't do it! The poor bloated one has now decided she's going to go back out with Rami. Uh, this is Rami 
who she went out with uh, prior to 2014. They split up, they went out, they split up, they went out, they split her. Anyway, now, poor old Gemma, who only recently had a one-night stand, which she proudly told us all about, with James Arge Argent, otherwise known as that little boy with a slight problem. Uh, anyway, she now decides she wants children with Rami. I'm beginning to wonder whether or not, you know, children in the wonderful world of Gemma Collins translate into money, translate into photographs, translate into this is my career, you know, because I've got career, right? I just had one night stand with James Argent. I'm not pregnant, but I want to be pregnant. So I'm going out with Rami again. Not been out together for four years, you know. I mean, it's pathetic, really. Poor soul, honestly. So anybody going backwards, that would be Gemma Collins, an embarrassment of the first order. But uh, there again, all the people she hangs around with appear to be losers as well on the show. How do people survive working on the minimum wage in coffee shops within London, says Jane? Um, well, because they're all, um, you know, they're, they're not renting houses or anything like that. There'd be a load of them. They, uh, they can just, they just make it work. They just make it work. Mark in, uh, in says, can't believe you already turned 40. In where? Milton Keynes. Dreadful place, isn't it? Milton Keynes, honestly. I thought they closed Milton Keynes down. I didn't realise it was still going. It's the holding pen for the Jeremy Kyle show. It's, uh, as indeed is everywhere, including Staines. It's only in Staines they go, oh, I can't believe he said that. Can't believe he said that about Staines because it's a real class area. Nobody understood the question in the first place. Do you feel old, says Mark, turning 40? Not really, no. I only feel 20. On a good day. On a, on a bad day, I might go sort of 22, 23. Uh, Wayne, the trolley dolly, says, he says, loving the spike today. I've just heard that JP, the trolley dolly, email into you. The lucky devil's off to Los Angeles this morning. And you have mints in those aisles, I should imagine. No, come on. What are you saying? A lot of gay people decide to be trolley dollies? Absolutely not. Mind you, finding a heterosexual is a bit of a rarity up there in the skies, isn't it? I wonder why. I wonder why that would, that would attract gay... Explain that to me, Wayne. Why would gay people be particularly attracted to pushing a trolley up and down an aisle? I mean, is, is, is there an, I know the money's good. I know the money's good. And, uh, and I know because my friend Warren, uh, does, he only does upper class. I don't, think he do, I don't think he'd do baggage. I think he only does upper class. So I'm assuming there's a good salary to be made. <coughs> and the benefits are, are very good. You get sort of free discounted travel. Don't you get a discount on it? Mind you, having spent... I'm going to cough again. I'm so sorry. <coughs> having spent so much time up in the sky, you'd think actually on your, on your day off, you wouldn't really want to go up in the sky again, would you? That's why we're, we're going week today to Lille on the, um, the under train uh, Eurostar thing. And, uh, and that'll be quite nice. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, lots of people writing in to me telling me about Eurostar. And, uh, and telling me, I know all about Eurostar, I know exactly all about that, and telling me about Lille. It's only an hour and a half away, and we'll, we'll just go there and get some, uh, some lunch and have a look around, take some pictures, which I will tweet. And people will go, oh, that looks nice, where are you? And I'll go, Normandy. You know, I quite like to do the tour of the battlefields as well, actually. That's another one I, I was thinking about the other day. You know, to do, just to do things, just to do little, little bits and pieces. Uh, Steve, uh, open a pret in a poor area and those stats will change drastically. I don't, you see, I don't know what a poor area would be. What would, what would a poor area be? And also, wherever you open one of these uh, prets, and I don't think they're franchised out, I think they are all owned by the company, as far as I know. Um, they're obviously looking at an area that's got a bit of money. You don't want a poor area because people are not going to be spending that kind of money. The co-op have got problems. Quite a number of co-op stores, their uh, customers, thieve steak. Uh, they had a problem with Iceland, people walking out with things. You know, people just naturally thieve it. And steak is easy. You just pick it up 
Uh, you pick up a couple of fillet steaks, about 24 quid in uh, M&S, and you stick it under your jacket and you walk round. You walk round a few times to see if it's a store detective, and then you take your life in your hands and you see if you can get out with it. And, of course, uh, most of them don't. They actually get caught, but whether they get prosecuted is... Uh, is another matter. And so in the co-op, they've decided that you're going to have to ask if you want a steak. Because obviously the co-op, in keeping with everybody else, I should imagine, has a lot of very light-fingered customers and they want to thieve. They don't want, they don't want to pay for anything <clears throat> at all. Here's the Meghan Markle picture. Uh, it's a posed picture, her with a photographer. Because in India, I shouldn't imagine they've got the faintest idea who she is. So they just take a picture. Who is she? Oh, listen, just come on, take a picture of her. She might be famous in years to come. And um, so here she is uh, promoting health and education by girls in India by making sanitary products. And it's just a photo thing. That's all it is. It's no more than PR puff. It's, it's another Diana thing. Here's uh, Daisy Lowe uh, getting to hear the gossip from her dad, who is Gavin Rossdale, who nobody's ever heard of. I didn't even know who he was. But uh, the Strictly star... May well have given the judge 51 tips on the act he should pick for the semis this week. It looks like her her boyfriend. I didn't know that he was her dad. It doesn't really help, does it? Because nobody knows who she is anyway. Is she just a model or something? We, we think she's just a model. And, and that's about it, actually. Uh, Halloween meets the winter of the Olympics. Welcome to Frozen Dead Guy Festival. And, um, and this is a, a sort of a bizarre festival that they have here where they put people in coffins and everything else they have a black parade all around they have in mexico don't they they have the day of the dead where they go and dig up their relatives and they prop them up by the side of the grave and then they all sort of talk about them uh how do you find the barefoot contessa on tv only have free view says claire well that's what i found it on there it's on the food channel you just have to keep searching through it and you find it i get it for free every day the food channel. There is some bloke, I think it's called Man Versus Food. He just goes around and stuffs his face on any one of a number of ghastly-looking items and yet never criticises it. He only ever goes, this is the best thing ever. So it's a, it's a bit of a pants programme. I've kind of seen through it now. Uh, Linda says, God knows why anybody gives uh, Gemma Collins airtime. She's a totally unlikable no-mark. Scary to think she might become a parent. Well, it's scary to think that she's sort of sleeping around. I mean, she was only going out with somebody in prison a short while ago. And now she's going back out with the last bullet. She's, um, unfortunately, as we know, and um, we have to be nice, she's, she's not well. She's a very lonely person. She doesn't really have many friends. They're a bit fair weather. And so the best people that she can go out with are, are people that are just using her, like Rami used her last time, and that's why they finished. They were on, off, on, off, on, off. And now she's gone back again, and now she wants children with him. Do you think it's going to last? Of course not. I could see it a mile off. She just doesn't have any longevity. She's deeply lonely, deeply unhappy, you know, and she just doesn't have anything to look forward to in her life. You know, the weight doesn't really come off. She still looks in the mirror and just sees a fat, bloated person who now goes, oh, I think I'll have a child. Like, it's, let's go and buy some sweets. And I find that deeply disturbing. <clears throat> uh, Steve uh, says, Iceman, me and my partner Jean thought we'd book up a quiet weekend in Brighton in August. Don't be silly. There's no such thing as a quiet weekend in Brighton in August. And I just found out yesterday from my hairdresser, it's Gay Pride weekend there best i take my camera oh absolutely listen you won't have a bad time you'll have a great time there'll just be loads of people on the streets with whistles be a lot of badly dressed people and uh, you oh, you'll have, have a nice time you won't pull of course but you know you're with your girlfriend so what difference does it make you'll have a nice time be very nice uh, have you heard says matthew 
The Ivy Cafe Richmond, due to open on Wednesday the 19th of April, if you had your invite. I don't live in Richmond, so I wouldn't have an invite to it. They're all over the place, aren't they? They seem to be opening them up everywhere at the moment. So these are Ivy Cafes. I shall have a look at it, because me and my friend Paul were always looking for different places to have lunch. And we've done um, Byron Burgers. We've done um, the real gourmet thing. What is it called? Gourmet Burger Kitchen. We've done, done that one a few times. I like the milkshakes in there. They do nice. They do a butterscotch milkshake. I think it was butterscotch. Well, whatever it was, it was delicious. Two of those, and I'm up on the ceiling with the pixies. And uh, so I shall, I shall try the ivy. And let you know because I've eaten at the ivy loads of times. Let's see what the ivy cafe is like. It's probably like the one in, um, in Covent Garden. I would think. I can't think it'll be any, uh, any different. Do you know we are among the most miserable in Europe? The Brits are miserable. Are we? Are we really miserable? I'll tell you later on who is the, the happiest. Who is the happiest? But uh, we are among the most miserable. They go, oh, it's those miserable Brits. You know what it is? It's the weather. It's the weather. People go, oh, what's it going to be like today? And we go, oh, it's going to be wet again. It's like yesterday. I don't think it rained. I don't remember it raining. But uh, I've got everything ready for later on this afternoon to go and plant my uh, my little daffodils in their little pots out. So I shall definitely do that today. I didn't have, quite have the energy to do it yesterday, but I shall do it today after I've been to the doctor and had the uh, the blood pressure test. That'll be quite nice. And uh, oh, what else am I going to do today? Nothing. I'm going to be lazy. I'm going to be lazy today. I like a lazy Friday. I've got an interview to do this morning, which I'm very much looking forward to doing. Kate Garraway's coming in for that. She's got a book, as you know, and she had a two-week sex marathon, so you'll just, as I say, hear me sobbing through that part of the interview. There won't be anything. She'll be going, oh, what have you ever... No, no, OK? Not even dreamt about anything like that. Two minutes would be a, would be a miracle in this day and age. Two... Can you imagine a two-week sex marathon? God, I'm exhausted thinking about it. Or even trying to visualise it. But anyway, so we'll have a chat to her. She's going to be on the programme together with Sarah Pascoe, the comedienne, for this weekend. That'll be tomorrow morning. And I'm not going to play you any clips, mainly because uh, one is still in the uh, the transitioning point of being put together and the other one hasn't been recorded yet. So that would be that would be why we haven't done it yet. But we'll uh, we'll have it ready for you for tomorrow morning between six and seven a.m. OK, then repeated nine o'clock on Sunday night. So don't miss it. Don't miss it. Really good one. Uh, there's a bacteria found in a certain yoghurt that can reverse depression. So I'll be telling you about that a bit later on. Uh, plus the forgotten famine. Yes, over in Somalia, there is a famine going on. And I think already over 100 people have died. And again, it's a case of, oh, it's not happening on our doorstep. Why should we worry about it? Somebody, let somebody else worry about it. Let somebody else worry about it. Coming up very shortly, the news at five o'clock. White van man suffers a second budget blow. Uh, George's funeral, I think, will probably take place early next week. Unless they're going to sneak it in today. The cemetery are not saying. This is Highgate Cemetery, where his mum's buried. So I'm assuming that's where uh, he will want to be. Gareth Thomas, he quits the the jump and cites personal reasons. And he's seen out with some bloke in a cafe. Bit unwise, isn't it, really? Uh, Brooklyn Beckham goes out to buy Lego with his photographer and some poor assistant who has to carry the thing for him. Honestly, Brooklyn Beckham is 18 He's had a pint. I know, I know. The school mobile ban and Esther Ranson fears she won't see her grandson grow up. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. As the co-op decide to lock up steak because their uh, their customers are nicking it, Iceland have had to do exactly the same with legs of lamb. They had to put them in uh, boxes so people couldn't steal them. 
And uh, it just gets worse and worse. People thieve, uh, not because they can't afford to buy it. It's because they're just toe rags. You know, they just pinch. That's what they do. Most of these people have all got enough money on them when they're caught. So uh, so that's it. So the co-op, not very happy about it. Uh, the Forgotten Famine over in uh, Somalia. Uh, America planning to execute eight prisoners in 10 days as their lethal injection medicine is about to expire. The Primark purse, that's a beast to get hold of. What would they be wanting to buy from Primark? And uh, God help us, steps could be back miming on a TV show near you very, very soon, because they'll not be able to sing live. You imagine they'd be all over the place. OK, ready? La, 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 la. No, just learn the dance. It's a lot easier, isn't it, that way? Yeah. So five, six, seven, eight. Tragedy. Oh, no, wrong song. Tra- no, it's all a tragedy. I'm terribly sorry. I wish they'd stay away. I'm so bored. One of them, Lisa Scott Lee, lives over in Dubai. Her children are learning Egyptian over there. I don't know why they're sort of coming back. She must have made enough money, I'm assuming, out of steps. But uh, I thought it was only Claire that sang. I'd like to hear the rest of them sing, but apparently I've been told by people who know better that H stands for hyperactive or just horrendous. Uh, went to the Royal College of Music. He's just irritating. He was always irritating. Always irritating. I don't think he's ever not been irritating. And uh, so they're back with a new single. God, honestly, just when you thought these groups had disappeared, they come back again. Uh, Women are demanding sexist DBLA axes misses from a licence. They say the DBLA is embroiled in this sexism row. Women are forced to use title, but men aren't. Do you know, I had to check. I was going to check on my licence this morning just to see if it says Mr... On there because it it might not it might not so a quick sorry just bear with me one second my driving license no it doesn't you see it doesn't say Mister on my driving license and yet on women's it says Misses that doesn't seem fair does it that doesn't seem fair at all why is that producer's checking his and doesn't say it does it doesn't say Mister and yet it says Misses on some people's licences check yours you'll you'll find out if you're a lady check it. I can't get the bloody thing back in here now. It's even more annoying, isn't it? Oh, there we go. Damn it. I've got one. You can't find it, can you? It doesn't say mister. They don't seem to uh, to care. So if I, I wouldn't have thought it was sexist. I just think it's sort of perhaps it's an omission. Uh, one lady asked for no title on her licence, but it came back with a missus. There's always somebody who's going to moan about it, aren't they? We're in, the, we're, in the, we're in the days of moaning. Everybody moans nowadays. Oh, look. My mouse is attached by a cord. I don't want to play with that mouse. I want... Cordless mouse. Why have I not got that? Uh, smaller plates make dieters want more food. Yep, I would think that was uh, that was right. I would think that was right. Uh, two lesbian surrogates have helped a couple have children after a miscarriage heartache. Thank God for lesbians. That's what I say. Thank God. Workers are going through 15 years without a pay rise. It's uh, a report by Quentin Letts. And uh, how celebrities' trendy gluten-free diets can put you at risk of diabetes. That's in the mail today. Plus, they've got uh, Philip, Prince, struggling to read the carving. You know, I can't see the words. It's because he is 90-odd. And the little boy who really didn't want to meet the Queen. They're they always pick somebody, don't they, to, uh, to hand over a, a bouquet. And, um, and he, didn't, he didn't want to hand it over at all. Uh, Esther Ranson had children late. Now she's droning on, besotted by her grandchildren. And she's now realised the price she may have to pay. I'm scared I won't see Benji grow up. And so we're trying to find out. It's obviously... She's going to be 82 very shortly. And um, so wait a minute. No, no. She's, I'll stay as long as I can. Long enough to see his 10th birthday. And then she, yeah, that's right. She's 76 at the moment. 76. 
And so she's going to do it. It's just, I'm sure there must be loads of women in that situation. Loads of women in that situation who had kids too uh, too late. And what you do is, as opposed to moaning about it, you just get on and enjoy every minute that you've got with them. Because you don't know if you're going to go ten years. You don't know if you're going to go five years, four years. You don't know if you're going to go the next week. So, uh, you know, that would be the thing to do. Just enjoy it. Just absolutely enjoy it while, you, while you've got the children, while you've got your grandchildren and godchildren. You enjoy them. I don't sit down with mine and go, well, I don't think I'll be here next Christmas. I'm not too sure. Because I go through every week of thinking, oh, God, honestly, I don't feel 100%. But, you know, you just get through it, don't you, I think. Ah, better, better, better. I do need the coffee. Uh, the father releasing this picture of his, uh, of his daughter. Uh, in this picture here, she's minutes from death. This is Julia Derbyshire. Uh, online bullies drove her to attempt suicide. These are trolls. These are people who need to be caught very quickly and prosecuted. Uh, I've said this a million times before. There is no excuse. The McCann's still get trolled about 150 a day from these these sick people. And uh, she got this on social media. She'd had years of uh, this bullying. Then she attempted to take her own life. Her father, Adrian, found her collapsed at home, rushed to the hospital. There was little that could uh, little that could be done. So five days later, this is uh, a two-year-old story, incidentally. This happened in uh, October 2015. He said his final farewell. And so he set up a, an anti-bullying website. There's nothing they can do about it. He was unaware she was uh, still being targeted uh, by these people. And so what they've done is they've sort of reported it to the NSPCC and all these other people. And so literally this uh, this photograph was taken of their daughter and then what they'll do is they'll, they then turned off the life support machine and she died. Uh, her father is in a wheelchair. He took up fencing. He was, he's been in the Olympics and everything else. And um, it's just a very sad thing, isn't it, that people will online bully people. And it's, you know, it could be a pretty girl. She's a very pretty girl. Very, very pretty girl. But uh, I hope the people that did it to her really have her, her death on their conscience for the rest of their lives. I really hope that uh, that they get caught out and found and prosecuted because there's too much of this going on in schools. Uh, Linda says, yes, you're right. My licence has Miss on it. Not on the men's. And uh, Steve, my licence doesn't say Mr, says Eugene. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's only on the women's ones. It doesn't say anything on the uh, on the men's at all. It just says your name. Which is, uh, which is a bit bizarre. Marty says, uh, my licence has doctor as my title. You don't need to show off, do you? Honestly, nothing worse. Show off. Snooty. Little Miss Snooty. <laughs> or Mr Snooty, as the case may be. And uh, so I, it's odd. I wonder if you could write to them and go, actually, could you put down here the Honourable? Do you think you could manage to get that in there? Or would you have to provide proof for them? I suspect you probably wouldn't, actually. Uh, you should go to Bruges on the Eurostar. It's very beautiful. No, we hated it. We hated it, Alex. We went to, uh, we went to, we went to Brussels. And, uh, and you can go on a tour of the Flanders Fields. And you can go to Ypres, completely rebuilt after the war. Yes, yes, could do that as well. But, uh, but we're doing, unfortunately, um, Lille. Because we've not been there before. And it looked quite pretty. And I quite like a European city. All I want to do, I tell you all I want to do when I go to a European city. It's like the, it's like the train. It's an hour and a half. I'm going to spend it asleep. <coughs> I'm going to enjoy every minute sleeping just so I can get the other end and then have a wander, a cup of tea. And that's, that's all I want. I'm not, uh, I'm not particularly, uh, particularly bothered by, by things like that. I'm just in another city. Uh, Steve, hubby, hubby is, is it celiac? And now it's been told he's diabetic. He has to exclude glu gluten from the tire, client. Don't blimey, speak for goodness sake. 
Hubby is celiac and now it's been told he's diabetic, so he has to exclude gluten from his diet or he's very ill, says Claire. Yeah, there's so many different things, aren't there? So many different things. Uh, Kelvin says the man versus food guy now does the man versus food nation. Still on Food Network because he was advised by his doctors to stop all the ghastly food or he was going to die. It's just the fact that he never criticises anything. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever heard that? You know, the idea that he, he eats all this food and all of it is absolutely marvellous. He's never once gone, this is absolute rubbish. You know, it'll be a six foot high burger with onion rings and burgers and he, he eats into it. And you, you feel physically ill, physically ill. Rob says, are you sure you're going to make it to next weekend? Cough sounds a bit worrying. Uh, well, probably not. Probably not. Uh, eight for eight five oh. Uh, Andy says, how the other half live? My 63rd birthday yesterday and I went to Sheffield. You controversial radio hosts get to go to all the foreign places. I know. That's why, because when you're controversial, as you know, Andy, and you're in Mansfield, so I'll explain it to you very slowly. uh, It's a case of they they pay you loads more money to be controversial. You know, as I've said before, who wants beige when you can have bright colours? I do bright colours. School mobiles banned. You know, what they're saying is when your mummy meets you, it's not not for you, Andy, anymore. We've moved away from you now. But when your mummy meets you at the school gates, you know, whether you're the headmaster or not, you know, don't greet them with a mobile phone. Go, hello, hello. Give them a big smile. You know, that's that's what you have to do. We used to go when I was, I used to go and see my godchildren, you know, obviously over the years when they were much younger. And we'd go and meet them from school and then we'd walk back with them. That was quite nice. I quite liked that. I felt like I was a parent. I seriously did for a, for that brief few moments when you're waiting there and they run out and sort of give you a hug and you think, I'm a parent. I'm not, of course, but it doesn't matter. So, uh, Andy, 63, you're very lucky to have made it to 63 living in Mansfield, aren't you? I mean, goodness sake. I mean, life expectancy up there is much less, much less. And also a day trip out to Sheffield, you know, that'll be nice to visit the rest of the family and, uh, and sort of wander around Sheffield. I thought it was a dump. Seriously, I went to Sheffield once. It was very backwards. There was nothing going on there at all. It's always oh, Ollie from Sheffield. Oh, God. <sighs> Actually, I was going to remind him earlier on, you need to get up. But I suspect he's probably still sort of half. I nearly fell asleep on the settee again the other day. Uh, I, I sort of got up and um, and and sort of did, did the usual things, getting myself ready. Then I sat there and I thought it'd be so easy to close your eyes and just drift off again, which is what I quite like doing on a, on a Friday. Friday evening, this evening, I w- I'll do my things. I've got, to, I've got to do my interview this morning, which I shall do at uh, about 9.30. I think it's 9.30. Uh, I shall do that. I shall record all the links and then I shall tootle off home. Uh, then I shall do my feet because you bet your bottom dollar I'm going in for blood pressure tests, but she's going to want to look at my feet. She always does. So I better make sure they're looking good and in tip top condition. So I shall do that with my little I've got one of these little machines, which is quite nice. And um, and uh, so I shall do that. And then I shall plant up all the daffodil bulbs and then I shall settle back and have something interesting. I had scampi yesterday. Why? Because I'm rich. OK. And so I bought scampi. I might have steak today. I don't know. I haven't had salmon for a while. I quite like salmon and broccoli. I've got to eat broccoli. Broccoli is very good for me. But I mean, there's a limit to how much you can eat of this stuff. And um, and so that's what I'll do. And then I, I might fall asleep in front of the television. And I quite like that idea. I think you get to a certain age, and it's funny, isn't it? Simple things like slippers, a cup of tea, sitting down, you know, on a bench. I never, ever thought, you know, a couple of years back that I'd be enjoying sitting on a bench and just watching the world go by. 
I seriously, I can just, I just. We've still got the uh, the beggars sleeping in the doorways, and they're still filling up the phone box. Council have lost that one big time. They obviously haven't got any bite, have they? Our council, obviously, a bunch of mamby pambies. They need to get out there and do something. Uh, Steve, instead of wolf whistling, builders should be encouraged to doff their hard hats and say, "How do you do, ma'am?" Says Kevin. Yeah, but uh, I don't know what's going to be happening anytime soon, is it really? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Still to come, uh, Wyatt Rugby, they don't want you singing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. They've only just come up with this one. They've been singing it for donkey's years. But anyway, uh, and how to stop fly tippers. Crush their truck. Unfortunately, they didn't send them to prison. This, uh, this couple here, this is uh, Daniel Duncan and Kelly Jane Marie. They had a Ford Transit. Um, it wasn't registered at all. Uh, and they were going out and they were caught fly tipping. They would go round to sites in their flatbed truck. What, what sort of people use flatbed trucks? Uh, pick up all this rubbish, then just go and dump it wherever they wanted to, but pocket the uh, the money. Uh, it cost 5,370 quid to clear it. So uh, the uh, the next time they saw the truck, they pulled it over and they took it and crushed it minutes after their sentencing. Fantastic. The couple in this case showed absolute disregard for residents, other road users. They were a pair of old, well, you know what they are. Uh, Duncan from Chertsey was given a 12-month prison sentence, suspended for 18 months. What for? What for? Ordered to attend a 15-day drug rehabilitation course. She was sentenced to 10 months in prison, suspended for 18 months. Uh, ordered to pay £100 compensation. But um, uh, Duncan admitted seven counts of failing in his duty of care. He just probably doesn't even understand what the question is. They're obviously far too stupid. They should have been thrown in prison immediately. At least we've crushed their uh, their dirty, filthy, old, unlicensed truck. But uh, don't worry, they'll probably just go and buy another one. And then there was the case in the uh, in the papers. I'm not sure if I can... It was a lovely picture of, um, of crocuses uh, coming out. This is in uh, a place called Wisley. You've heard of Wisley, the garden centre. And uh, Wallington Hall as well. Why are we the most miserable in Europe? What's the matter with us? Why are we so miserable? I couldn't be happier, apart from the fact it's Friday. Apart from the fact I've got my money for my increase in the national insurance. I've got that. I've put that to one side, so that's OK. But uh, apparently the mental health of Britons is the worst in Western Europe. A report suggests we're suffering stress by choosing careers that cause us to lose touch with family, friends and neighbourhoods. So who's the, who's the happiest? Happiest is Denmark. Denmark is the happiest. Have I been to Denmark? I can't remember. No. I've been to Co- I've been yes I've been to Copenhagen yes Austria is second I've been to Austria Finland I've been to Finland uh, I've been to Germany I've been to Spain I've been to Belgium I don't think I've been to the Netherlands I don't think I've been to the Netherlands. I've been to the ne- oh I've I've been to Amsterdam yeah I've been to the Netherlands blimey I'm getting better have I been to Italy have I been to Italy I don't think I've been to Italy no I haven't been to Venice no no have I been to Ireland no have I been to Swindon? God help me, yes. Only once. And uh, Bulgaria? No. Uh, France? Yes. Have I been to Poland? No. Slovenia? No. Estonia? No. Greece? No. Romania? No. And Latvia? No. Because they're all down the, the bottom end of the scale. I'm delighted to say that Denmark's at the top. That's the, that's the happiest. We, we, we just aren't happy at all, are we, really? Uh, we, we, we need cheering up, so that's why this programme is here. Candles. They love candles in Denmark. Oh, that'll be useful. That'll be. Where did I go to? When, when I went to Finland... That's Oslo, isn't it? Finland. Oslo, fin- Helsinki, is it? Where did I go to uh, to cut down a Christmas tree? Where did I go for that one? Was that Norway? I like Norway. 
That's right. They, they, they give us a tree. It's a dreadful tree. I don't want to complain about it, but to be honest with you, I've seen better trees. I've seen better lights on the tree. I'm hoping that the mayor, Sadiq, if he's listening, can get better lights made, um, sort of, you know, put on it. Just the dreadful lights at the moment. Honestly, they've got better lights on the tree in Covent Garden. Take, uh, take a mark from them, Mr Mayor. Phil Vickery says, he says, I'm fairly happy. He said, I don't know what happened. If somebody says to you, are you happy? What's that mean? Are you happy? Do I go round with a big grin on my face? Of course not. That would be ridiculous. If somebody sees me sitting in the car, you know, driving around, I'm not going to be going, ha, 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 like that. <laughs> I might have saw an accident on the other side of the road and one car goes into the back of another one. But generally speaking, you don't sit there laughing your head off, do you? Some people, I mean, only if, I laugh at James O'Brien. Did you hear him yesterday? Well, I've sought legal action. The, there was a question on the musical hour, which was, was Beethoven... Anyway, that was, I was listening to that. And then I went back onto the other thing where he's got another bit of a programme, which is, it's something to do... People phone up and they've either got a question or they've got an answer. It's like being back at school. It's, that'll never... That's serious, it'll never last. It's the worst thing I've ever heard on the radio. Anyway, and so yesterday, some bloke phoned up and uh, obviously reverse-charged and said... Um, he said, oh, he said, where do the royal family's cars go? Um, and he said, oh, I know that the Museum of London has got the coaches. Well, it hasn't. It's got the Lord Mayor's coach. The rest of them are in the Muse, the Royal Muse, because you can go and pay and see the Royal coaches. They're all, they're all in there, and some of the cars. And then James O'Brien said that I was driving a car that used to be owned by Princess Alice, which was outrageous. And the bloke he was talking to, this one who'd reversed the charges, said, oh, Steve Allen's driving a, a Bentley that was owned by Princess Alice. And he went, yes. Well, I nearly drove off the side of the road. Outrageous. And various people suggesting where the royal cars go. Uh, somebody saying that... And then he had various advice from different people. Uh, Alex from Big Brother. Remember the first one? The first one? And uh, he was, he phoned up as well. He was talking about something because his father had bought something that Princess Margaret used to own. Gin bottle, I should imagine. And, uh, and then other people saying, oh, you can buy the Royals cars. They do crop up at auction. And uh, there was one, it was a Mulsanne, which was owned by the Queen. But she has custom built now. And they just stay within the Royal Household because they don't do very many miles. They do low mileage. So that was, I knew the answer. In the Royal Muse, I was saying. In the, I'm shouting into the radio, into the Royal Muse. They only mentioned me. And said that I was driving one owned by Princess Alice. I mean, please. Never have got Princess Alice in my car, honestly. Ridiculous. But I, I, I did sort of... I don't know why I kept getting mentioned. But that, that musical hour was hilarious. The Beethoven uh, story was about one of the best I've ever heard. As I say, having done the other week, he was doing the music from the Harry Potter films. And now he was doing this other thing the other day. And it was working really well. This is what's called cross-pollination, by the way. It's what they call it in radio. So in other words, I mention him on my programme so that he can get an audience. And he mentions me because he needs me. Because he wants to be a bit more showbiz. You know, doing Newsnight is not show busy. You know, he pops up on there. They spray hair on his head, give him a pair of glasses to wear, put him in a suit that's a little bit too tight. But, you know, he's, his figure fluctuates. You know, he wants to be more show busy. And I've got the showbiz thing, you know. I mean, I know that Ian Dale thinks that he's, he's show busy. He, um, he isn't show busy. Not compared to me, he's not. I'm far more glittery, far more glittery. Even more glittery than Andrew Pierce. Even more glittery than Andrew Pierce. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Does our driving licence give our title so that countries that ban women drivers know we do? I've got no idea. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't even hazard a guess at the answer. Put it, put it out to um, Magical Hour. 
Magiclower can help you with that one. Uh, Gavin Rosdale is Gwen Stefani's husband. He's on The Voice. Yeah, I know he's on The Voice. I'm just not really interested. Um, and, and I don't know why women go on there and, and yet men don't. I mean, that it would be rather it's bizarre, isn't it, really? Uh, Mick says, how do you start a letter or email when you only have the person's initial? I don't. I just go, hi. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to personalise something. So I just go, hi. Can you do so-and-so, so-and-so? I don't sort of address them by, by a title at all. I don't put dear person or anything. I don't, uh, don't bother. Uh, my brother-in-law's a bit of a joker, says Mike. As a joke, he completed an online course for me to become a reverend in California. I'm that. I am ordained. I'm a minister of the... Uh, we did it years and years ago with my producer, so I'm able to conduct marriages, apparently. As if that's ever likely to happen. Uh, somebody said, Great burgers in Joe Allen, Exeter Street. Secret dish not on the menu, but always available. Story is, burgers are served by the theatre cast and crew need a good value meal. Anyway, it's a fabulous American restaurant. I imagine you know it, says Mark, in Milton Keynes. No, never heard of it. Joe Allen's. Right. What, what, is, it a, is it a restaurant? It's, oh, it's obviously a restaurant, yeah. Great burgers. Good Lord, honestly. Well, there you go. Things you learn on this programme, honestly. Here's me living in London. I've certainly never heard of it, that, that particular showbiz restaurant. I haven't been going there for 36 years, honestly. Ridiculous, isn't it? I'm, I'm one of the very few people with an account there. So there you go. Uh, there's also... Oh, I want, to do this, I want to do this story, but I can't because it's in, uh, it's in session at the moment in court. There's a very, very good story in the paper. I'm not even going to allude to it, but it's one of those stories you think, once, once that's resolved, I can't wait to bring it to you. Uh, so the fly tipping, the uh, pair of scallies, all the way from... I don't know what scally means, actually, now. So it's scallywag. Scallywag. You're a scallywag. It's sort, of, it's sort of like... sort of It's just an idiot, isn't it, really? And these two are idiots. And here they are. And uh, this is Daniel Duncan and Kelly Jane Marie. They've got a flatbed truck. They pick up a load of old rubbish and they just go and throw it. So we've crushed their truck for them. Ha, 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 ha. They come from Chertsey. Best place for them, I should imagine. Uh, what else do we have in the papers this morning? Oh, we've got the, uh, the knife crime convictions. A six-year high. A six-year high. Just when I thought that the police had got it all sussed out and they've taken, you know, all the knives in and people have had a knife amnesty. No... The crime convictions at a six-year high. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Bit embarrassing. They uh, they discovered a pushchair on the high street the other day outside a betting shop with a child in it. The mum was inside playing the fruit machines and nobody called the police. Unbelievable. Uh, Steve, have you been to Canvey Island? Um, uh, no. No. I, I, I wouldn't. Why would I want to go to Canvey Island? What for? What would I want to go there for? I can't think of any reason that I would want to go there. I'm not buying a property there. Giant caravan site, isn't it? Canby Island. What people do, isn't it? Holidays or something like that? I don't know. Things are very difficult in all things. Oh, right. Lovely. OK. Still drinking? Uh, Steve, you're about my age, and I think uh, you keep me young during your shows. I'm coming up to 64. In your dreams. In your dreams. What do you mean, 64? God, I don't know anybody your age. Look. I've shrunk. I'm now four foot, eight inches. God, dear. And I can't understand a word of the music today. You need to be happening. I'm down with the grime at the moment. The grime is happening a lot for me. I'm quite into... And uh, Sorry? 
and Stormzy. Stormzy's my favourite artist. Ever since, you know, I'd, I sort of pushed him onto Sheila Fogarty and I said, you have a chat to Stormzy, fantastic. And that's grime. I'm down with that one as well. I did garage, house, grunge. I'm, I'm a bit above that now. I've even, I've even left steps behind, which I think is something you should all be advised to do. So, uh, Claire, if you don't understand the music, go back to Glenn Miller. You can understand that, you know. You'll understand that. Ha ha ha, he he he. Little brown jug, don't I love thee? Chaganooda choo choo. Come on, you know all those songs. Steve, Lille's got a massive shopping mall, but in the main square there's a McDonald's on the first floor of a building. Not so disabled friendly. The last time I was there, they allowed dogs in the eating area and they had a multi sex toilet. Well, see, I, I've, I've been in multi sex toilets loads of times. In fact, I was doing those in Vienna. 30 years ago, multi-sex toilets. Uh, Mick says, I've been told Mr and Mrs on a driving licence is to combat fraud and assist with identity because it's sometimes hard to tell men from women from a photo. Is it? I've never had any trouble telling men from women on a photo. Uh, And uh, Maggie's uh, in bed. Well, somebody's got to be in Dubai. But mind you, there's nothing else to do in Dubai, is there? I mean, you might as well just, you know, once you're in bed, you pull the duvet up and you go, do you know, it's nice and comfy. I think I'm staying in bed today. And today's Friday here in, here in uh, England. It's Freitag, uh, Friday, because we like to do it in different languages in case there's any tourists listening to the programme. Bonjour. I uh, can't remember what Friday is. Lundi, Mardi, Mercredi, Vendredi for Friday. I can, I can never remember what Thursday. I do Lundi, Mardi, Merdi, Mercredi. And then, what's the other one? That Vendredi. Jeudi is Thursday. Look at us being educational. I mean, come on. How often can you turn on the radio and learn to speak another language in the 20 minutes before we hit the news at six o'clock? I mean, come on. Einstein, drei, vier, fünf. Sex, sieben, acht, neun. There you go. Look at that. Oh, there's two languages we've done already. We'll have Cantonese in before the news. Uh, so Maggie's in, in Dubai. She might be ill, actually. I don't know. Might be just sort of lying there going, I'm not really very well at all. Uh, Kelvin McKenzie in his column today, sometimes he, he sort of gets it right, sometimes he goes off kilter, sometimes he's just some sad, grumpy old man. But there again, we all have our moments. In a shocking revelation, right up there with the fact that bears defecate in the woods, Royal Butler Paul Burrell says he's gay. Sorry, intake of breath. I know, if you haven't heard this before. And claims the only woman who ever knew was Princess Diana. You don't think his wife of 32 years might have had a clue? Anybody who has ever met Burrell, uh, pictured here with uh, Diana, knew he caught the other bus. In his case, he owned the bus. Yes, I mean, absolutely. You'd only have to uh, know Paul Burrell on one occasion. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, and you'd be going, he's definitely riding side saddle on his bicycle. There was no two ways about it. And, of course, his wife knew about it. Of course. You know, uh, but, but of course, the other thing is she's already gone on record as saying she doesn't want to go to the wedding. Why should she? Why should she want to go to the wedding? She's uh, what's she doing? Sort of giving her seal of approval. And there's a chocolate egg for you. Well done, you, you know, coming out after all these years. Whereas, in fact, everybody knew all the time. I'm trying to find the story about the Swing Low Sweet Chariot and to try to work it out exactly why it is that that they don't want you to sing it. It's apparently a slave song. Do you know, it never, ever in a million years crossed my mind. I never, ever thought about it. I just thought that that's what they sing at rugby. It's been going on for as many years as, as, I, can, as I can remember. But what they say here, it's, it's, been, it's nothing to do with anybody in this country. It's been slammed by people in America, US academics, for that read... U.S. academics, uh, for cultural appropriation of a traditional slavery song. It was traditionally an African-American spiritual 
created by slaves but adapted by the national team to be sung before games. Researchers in music and black studies said using a slavery song for a celebratory chant is ignorant of its horrific history. They claim the song's lyrics are about despair and the desire to escape from suffering, but its use today as a drinking song among jovial fans is unfortunate. Josephine Wright told the New York Times such cross-cultural appropriation of US slave songs betrays a total lack of understanding of the historical context in which the songs were created by the American slave. And, uh, I mean, they've all done it. I think uh, Rugby Union uh, sponsors, UB40, many people being unaware of the song's roots. I didn't, I wasn't aware of the song's roots. I just thought they, they actually sang it. Uh, Arthur Jones says, I feel kind of sad, really. It's like the story of the American uh, chattel slavery and this incredible cultural tradition built up within a community of people who were victims and often seen as incapable of standing up for themselves. Uh, it's such a powerful story. I want the whole world to know about it. Uh, last month, the Labour MP for Rhonda in Wales, Chris Bryant, backed calls for fans to stop singing Tom Jones's song Delilah. He claims the song, which tells the story of a prostitute being murdered, glorifies domestic violence. My, my. She saw the knife in her hand and she laughed no more. Bye. Yeah, I mean, I do know the words of it, but to be honest with you, it's just a song, dear. It's just... You could probably analyse every single song, couldn't you? You could probably... You know, analyse every song. Go, are you sure you know what this is about? You know, this is about... I mean, do you remember the, the song by Gary Puckett and the Union Gap? Young girl, get out of my mind. My love for you is way out of time. Turn around, girl. You're much too young, girl. And then it goes on. With all the charms of a woman. Uh, you know, you kept the secret of your youth. This was quite clearly somebody underage. You know, it was somebody who was sort of, you know, using their age. And I remember, I was, you know, all these songs, they come from the 60s and the 70s, and we knew them. And if you listen to Young Girl and stuff like that, it was so, people sang about different songs. I had no idea that, uh, you know, if, if you look at um, this, this one here, this is, this is Kiss, Christine 16. She's got me dizzy. She sees me through to the end. She's got me in her hands and there's no use in pretending. She drives me crazy. I don't usually say things like this to girls your age, but when I saw you coming out of the school that day, I knew I've got to have you. I've got to have you. She's been around, but she's young and clean. So it goes on. So it goes on. Chris, I've never even heard of the song. It is quite clear what they're actually singing about. But, uh, and that's a group called Who? Kiss the Rock Kiss the Rock Band. Oh, one of the ones who paint their faces and everything else. Does anybody ever listen to the lyrics? My job, I mean, if you listen to half the Beatles stuff, it was quite clearly done under the influence of marijuana. You need to listen to it, you know. Newspapers, they loved all that stuff. In fact, they wrote some of their best material on it. But when you look at the songs about the young girls, it's all there. It's all there. Quite clearly out. So now we're not supposed to be singing Delilah. Now we're I'm trying to think of any other songs that we sing. Anything about Daydream Believer that's got dodgy lyrics in. That's worrying, isn't it? But they don't want you to sing it. Although it's in America. What's it got to do with them? Mind your own business. Mind your own business. Can't imagine why all of a sudden now, after all these years, somebody's come, come back with we shouldn't be singing about it. I thought it was a celebration. But there you go. Uh, Lena says, you're killing me. And Joe says, you make dog walking so much more enjoyable. I couldn't imagine anybody else doing this show. Really? Well, there'll be a crumb of comfort to me when it comes to contract uh, renewal. But uh, yes, I mean, dog walking, it's, it's a bit lonely, dog walking. Oh, don't want the dog on the lead. Don't walk the dog on the lead. Uh, Philip Schofield likes watching extreme fishing documentaries. 
and uh, the MPs rebelling over the budget blow to the self-employed. The Tory tax retreat after just 24 hours. Um, and people complaining about it. And as we've pointed out, and I think it's been on LBC all the time now, it's only going to be, if you're under £43,000, um, it's only going to be about 240 quid. On the swing low for uh, controversy, for some reason, June Sarpong's got involved in it. June Sarpong who get, got given a award because she interviewed Tony Blair. That was it. Apart from that, nothing at all. So those earning over 40,000 will pay that money, but only their first 40,000 will be taxed. All right, so we all pay. The t- oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> slightly disturbing. But it doesn't matter. If that's what they say you pay, that's what we pay. I don't have any problem with things like that. And if, you know, if the people have been saying to me, if, if you're earning 40,000 a year and you can't find an extra 240 quid, there's something the matter with you. It's like the people complaining about a penny on a pint of beer. You've got to drink 100 pints for one pound. And if you really get out of the life because you're in the wrong place... Uh, so what do the lyrics actually mean in Swing Low Sweet Chariot? Apparently, coming for to carry me home, I looked over Jordan. I'm assuming that's the country as opposed to the former glamour model. And what did I see? Coming for to carry me home, a band of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. Some say Willis was pining for his old life in Mississippi after moving to Oklahoma. But some scholars believe the song is about slaves wanting to die and be taken to heaven rather than staying where they were. But they don't know that. That's the trouble. They're just, they're just sort of guessing. They think it's uh, attributed to Wallace Willis, who was a slave, who is said to have thought of the, world, uh, the words while tilling a cotton field. Because there was another song about in them old cotton fields back home. There was loads of things, weren't there? There must be loads, I should imagine, of slave songs. Loads of slave songs. But I thought that by singing them, we, we kept alive the memory of the people who went before. Would that not be, not be an accurate interpretation? Might be wrong. Might be wrong. But uh, obviously they don't like it in America. Over here, I don't think they're particularly bothered. They're more worried about the song Delilah. But as I say, people worry about all sorts of things. The, the Tory rebellion stuns Hammond. The chorus of disapproval has come in from all sorts of people, from uh, Martin Vickers, John Redwood, uh, Lord Tebbit, who says the budget, a bit of a dog's dinner. I think we need to encourage people to be self-employed rather than discourage them. Bob Neal, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, uh, Dominic uh, Raab. And Ian Duncan Smith, he said, some of us were slightly concerned at the time about making pledges that lock you in. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I mean, to be honest with you, Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. Wearing a schoolgirl's outfit. Mind you, years ago, it was nurses, wasn't it? Little nurses' outfits. People going, oh, naughty nurse. You know, and people would turn up strippers dressed as naughty nurses and things like that. Now it's schoolgirls. So let's ban that one as well, says DJ Chris on the 316, heading back to Twickenham. Uh, I'm OK, Steve, in bed, enjoying your voice and banter on the radio. Lots of things to do in... Uh, what's DXB? Oh, Dubai, sorry. And, uh, and Maggie says you can sleep on my sofa. Hello, HR. Hello. They've started. <laughs> Who's your favourite actor? Says uh, Super Wage. I don't have a favourite actor. I'm way beyond super actors now and things like that. I really don't have a favourite actor. I've just confirmed that I'll be talking to Dennis Quaid, who's going to be coming in in uh, a couple of weeks' time. So, I mean, Tom Cruise I'd like Wage, but, I mean, he's, he's a bit short. He, he's not blessed with height. It's always a disappointment when you see these people because you suddenly realised um, uh, people are unhappy, says Mick, in this country because we're always so offended. We're offended, very, very offended. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we do get offended, don't we? You, you can't say anything to anybody. I always tell them, well, failing that, I pass them a little card with, you really are fat. You know, and that, that goes down quite well. Bad news if you work for John Lewis. Uh, the reason I mention this is because the one thing you look forward to in John Lewis, if you work there, is the old bonus. The old bonus can be worth a lot of money. If you're, a, if you're somebody running a department like carpet department or furniture department or makeup or something like that, you can, you can earn quite a bit of money. But anyway, even though the profits have soared at John Lewis, they've decided to cut back. Uh, this is, and if you work at Waitrose as well, also part of the John Lewis partnership. The 86,500 workers on the employee-owned business will receive the equivalent of 6% of salary, about three weeks' pay, after the bonus pot was cut from 145 million to 89 million. Now that's quite a lot. Company bosses say the move is needed despite pre-tax profits of 370.4 million pounds. The 6% bonus is the lowest since 1954 when it was 4%. It was 10% last year and as recently as 2013, staff or partners, as they're known, received 17%. Uh, John Lewis as well is axing 400 jobs across their in-store restaurants and home fitting service. The company is also investing in robotics in its warehouses, which seems likely to reduce the number of workers needed to pick, pack and dispatch items. So uh, you're losing. But it is. I remember I, I worked for John Lewis years and years ago in the carpet department. And I think I was earning about £20 a week. I'd gone up from earning about £6 a week. This was quite a time ago, remember. Used to go to school on an oxen cart, and um, and I can remember Christmas time. They said, "Oh, you've actually got a bonus." I went, "What for?" You know, not really understanding how it works. And they went because it's profit sharing. So the more money your you know the the store made and your department contributed to it, the more you got. So I'd only been there three weeks. I I picked up ninety pounds. Ninety when you were earning twenty quid a week, that was your basic, and then they took a little bit of tax off. I mean, ninety couldn't believe it. So and then I discovered that the boss of my department picks up thousands. Because that's how it was divided. So now it's down to 6%. And the pot is much smaller, about 90 million. So much, much smaller. Not so good, is it? Uh, I'm going to, uh, to Tenby, Steve, uh, for a couple of nights next week. I've, not, I've heard of Tenby. And it's, it's in Welsh Wales, isn't it? It's, it's quite nice, I think. Uh, I don't think I've ever wanted to go there. Uh, something simple. Was it something stupid, actually, by Frank and Nancy Sinatra? I think we'll go in mine the evening with me. And you go and say something stupid like, I love you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they were singing about themselves quite clearly. That would be a little bit silly, wouldn't it? And uh, my friend of the church says, I'm a recycled teenager. It's, I said, I am a recycled teenager. It will rain if I sing, it will rain, says Grace. Keep on with the, ta- the, the tablets. Uh, also, another murderous 70s tune was Olivia Newton-John's Banks of the Ohio. The Billy Joe McAllister one. When Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahassee Bridge. Oh, I thought that was OK, actually. I thought he was going swimming. I didn't realise he was committing suicide. I never think about these things. I'm far too innocent when it comes to songs. I just, I just listen to them as a song. You know, when we go... I mean, I mean I've mean, i been down at the Barmy Arms when they sing Delilah. Everybody loves singing. I saw the knife in my hand and she laughed no more. And we all go, my, 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 Delilah. Now I know that I'm... So, I mean, I knew what I was singing about before, but to be honest with you, it's just a song, isn't it? It's not actually singing about a particular person. It's not somebody, you know, that we know. It's not a story taken out of a newspaper. But, uh, but that's the way it goes. Itching is very contagious. Oh, don't you love it when you get a really good itch? 
Don't you love it when you get a really... That's just really exciting, isn't it? You get a really, really good itch. Years ago, you'd actually... You don't do it now. Years ago, I'd have said in the office, God, can you scratch the middle of my back? It's like... You wouldn't even dream of saying that. Now, I might try it today with the boss. I might say, could you just scratch them? Oh, like that. But, I mean, I wouldn't. I'm just thinking about it. I'm thinking about the consequences because HR is fairly close to his desk, so there's not really too far to walk at all. But it's 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 very and it's like you do it up against the door, don't you? Oh, there's something very appealing about it. It doesn't seem to happen as as often now, does it? And yet years ago we would itch. I tell you the one thing which was your worst itch, which was the one you go, oh, and that was years ago. Uh, athlete's foot between your toes. You know, if you don't dry between your toes, then the skin goes sort of all a bit. Bit icky and horrible and all the rest of it, and you and you scratch and it's it's quite a nice itch, but really it's not not very good to have athlete's foot. You're supposed to get creams and sprays and all sorts of things and powder to put in your socks and all that kind of stuff. But that was another one that was like, mm. but uh, the itch between always on your back. It's always the places you can't reach, isn't it? You know, it's like when when you're trying to sort of wash your back in the shower. I mean, it's quite difficult to do. I think I need to be double jointed. I need to join a circus and get them to explain to me how to be double jointed so that I can uh, sort of reach the middle. I can reach the middle of the back. I've got one of those scrubbing brushes, but you never think about it, do you? It's like only if you're, if you're standing in the shower, you never think about cleaning your feet. But if you're like me and you've got a seat in the shower, you know, I know people have laughed in the in the past, but I promise you, you know, it's it's the best thing I think I ever bought. One of the best things I ever bought. And you can sit down on your little seat and you just, you can wash your feet and everything. It's fantastic. It's all within reaching distance. Um, I'm told, whether it's true or not, because nobody confirms it, that they're rethinking that nightly programme, the flop. It's just so, so dreadful. And it's not the people, it's just the whole format. Nobody's thought it out properly at all. They've even had to do dry runs, I believe, with Mel and Sue, and then they've actually gone, um, well, we're a little bit busy now. So they weren't busy enough to do the dry runs. They, uh, they couldn't do it. So they couldn't even swap them round with somebody else. Because you can't believe that they ever rehearsed that programme, can you? Because it's so dire. I know you think it's live, but it's not. It's pre-recorded at six o'clock of an evening time. It was dire with David Walliams. It's no better with John Bishop. And uh, we've got Anton Deck coming up doing it. And we've got Scarlett Moffat doing it. You know, uh, oh, God, we're going to be mad for her, aren't we, I suppose. I suppose they'll all be going crack. They don't have anybody else. Up until now, it's all been Holly Willoughby and Pip Schofield. Now they've managed to find somebody else. Ryland's kind of run his course a little bit. Uh, Steve, I was very surprised, now you've all discovered these songs, to find out that Matt Munro was singing about a young girl in Walk Away. And uh, let's ban that dreadful song, Just Walking in the Rain. Why would you want to ban that one? And talking about dodgy lyrics, says Jill, how about Happy Birthday Sweet Sixteen is worrying. Tonight's the night I've been waiting for. You're not a baby anymore god honestly i can't sing any songs now. i've just realized there's implications in everything very worrying isn't it really but uh, i think we're sort of worrying about it a little bit unnecessarily i don't think anybody's going to be encouraging anything listen times they move on i promise you i mean kids now compared to what we were like when we were sort of younger we didn't understand anything about what was going we just sang the songs we didn't think about it you probably find there's something sinister in while shepherds watch their flocks by night or something. Cruising shepherds out there, you know, wandering about in the field trying to find other shepherds. I don't know. You know, you worry about it. Half the herald angels sing. What, are you on drugs or something? You know, that kind of... You sort of worry about it, don't you? 
So there I was digging this old hole in the ground, so big and sort of round, and, it, and so it goes on. You know, there must be suspect lyrics in just about everything. Um, I'm trying to think, probably after Tamla Motown songs that I loved. After Tamla Motown songs I loved. I like that kind of thing. Uh, I must tell you that what the butler saw at the Curve Theatre in Leicester is a farce with four stars which means it'll probably come into town. And uh, fantastic reviews for Joan Collins and Pauline Collins and Franco Nero and the cast of The Time of Their Lives. And uh, every... I mean, they just look fantastic. Joan, amazing for 83. And uh, and uh, Pauline Collins, uh, amazing. It's a picture in the paper today, which is not so amazing. And it's a man clinging onto a building. It's a vertical drop of God knows how many thousands of feet with one hand. I mean, seriously, I, f- I feel ill even mentioning it to you because I can see the image in my mind. That's really quite disturbing. The producer went, oh, it's obviously fake. I went, no, it's not, actually. It's not. He's literally, the, you know, you get these people who cling upside down from caves. They're hanging on with their fingers. At, well, I can't even support myself on a chair in the shower. What hope? It's horrible. It makes me feel very ill. And I've watched these people you think, oh, dear. What, what would happen if you just get an itch and you go, I'm going to let go? Or feeling that the rock or something breaks away. Or you're clinging to the outside of a building and you think, wait a minute, we're falling. It's go- Oh, God. Or there's a gust of wind. If you look at this picture in this paper today of this bloke clinging onto a side of a building, it's a vertical drop of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet. I mean, obviously he wouldn't survive. And he's clinging, not two hands, one hand. One hand. Oh, dear me. Let's take a short break, shall we, for the news. We need to pull ourselves back together again. Uh, How to stop fly tipping. Crush the truck. Don't even ask them about it. Just take it away and crush it uh, immediately. The Tory tax retreat after just 24 hours. Uh, Women demand, and you can check it on your licence as well. Does it say Mrs. Miss on men's? It doesn't say anything at all. It doesn't say Mr. Steve Allen. Producer doesn't have it. It only goes on women's. Why? The little boy who really didn't want to meet the Queen. The storm over the slave song, part of England's rugby anthem. Mel and Sue snubbing the nightly show. Not surprised it's dying on its proverbial. The news is they might be swapping it back with the news again. Although I don't think that'll save it. It was ghastly before they moved the news. And the school mobile ban. Oh, and Lord Janna's alleged victims. You won't get any money. They're going to spend it in legal fees. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Why is it everybody gets excited about Friday? I was just speaking to a couple of my colleagues out there as I was getting myself a cup of coffee. And uh, and uh, one of my uh, colleagues was going, it's great. It's Friday. I love Friday. I said, I know. I said, You're st- I start off the programme on a Friday at four in the morning, because that's the time we start. And uh, and I was somebody always said to me, start big, finish big, and people forget the middle bit. Not my boss. Uh, so we have to start big, keep it big and get bigger. So that's what we uh, that's what we do now. It's much easier. But something about Friday. I know it's not the same if you have to work the weekend, but take my word for it. Working during the week is lovely. You get to a Friday. All I've got to do today, a lovely interview, which is coming up with Kate Garraway. She's got a new book out. I'm trying to avoid talking about the SEX thing because I, don't, I, don't, I just want to really depress myself about it. But that'll run for this weekend's In Conversation. Next weekend, we've got Brian uh, Cox and uh, Joan Collins who will be with us. And then we've got, the, we've got some super names coming up for the programme, I promise you. So In Conversation runs on Saturday morning just after the best of Steve Allen, which starts at five. So for all you early birds, it's uh, five o'clock till six, best of Steve Allen, In Conversation, six till seven. And then Andrew Castle will be here with uh, breakfast. And then on Sunday morning, it's five till seven, look at the papers. 
try and find something that is uh, sort of a little bit racy-pacy, and we've always managed it every week. And then the repeat of In Conversation between 9 and 10, and then you can download it as well. So today, I've just got to do Kate Garraway at uh, about 9.30, so she'll be rushing back from from one of her jobs in to do me and then going on to do her job on one of our sister stations here in the building. Then I've got to nip back home, get myself ready for the doctors, for the blood pressure. And I hate the blood pressure. I don't mind. Actually, it's not so bad. It's not like sort of... The, the one that I dread the most is when they go, you need to have a blood test. And it'll be the fasting blood test. So you're not allowed to eat anything for 12 hours before, which is great for me because I just sort of stop at night time. By the time it gets round to 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock the next day, it, it's, I've done the hours. So I haven't had to worry. It just means that during the programme I can only drink water, which actually isn't such a hardship. But at the moment I've become addicted to milk. But the blood test where they sort of clip on this thing into your vein and then take three syringefuls. <laughs> it sounds disgusting. And I inject every day. You'd think I'd be immune to this kind of thing. But no, still not great. Uh, we'll go through the main stories in the papers. It's the uh, it's the Tory tax retreat after 24 hours. People moaning about this, uh, the self-employed and how you can have to be paying about 240 quid extra. And, and you think, I mean, they've really got an, an, an amazing amount of people in the papers who are complaining about it. It's £240 spread over a year. It's pennies per day. And it just brings us into, I say us because I'm a self-employed person, brings us into line with everybody else. Why should we not pay it? I know we don't get time off if we're sick. And I know we don't get uh, paid if we go on holiday because we're self-employed. And that's, that's, you know, there are advantages on both sides. And uh, I've been self-employed for years now, about 30 40 years I must have been self-employed. Long, long time. And you just get used to it. If my accountant says to me, this year you've got to pay more tax, well, then I pay more tax. I just have to go by his his guidance. So what we'll do, we'll look through the uh, the stories. Danny Dyer's back on EastEnders. They're going to apparently throw a party. Why? I can't imagine. Actor comes off, goes on holiday to South Africa, and then comes back again. Um, uh, the co-op, uh, some branch, have had to hide steak because some of their customers are thieves. I should imagine every supermarket has got customers who are thieves, people who go in there. I told you, I, I saw a woman shoplifting a couple of years back, at least three years back, and um, what she was doing, she had a pushchair, and she was putting it in the hood of the pushchair, and it was uh, it was meat. And then when she gets round to where you have to go to the checkout, uh, she picks up a baguette, and that's what she pays for. She pays for the baguette. And so I then told them, I said, she's thieved. The bloke said, are you sure? I said, absolutely, sure as God made little apples. She's thieved, she's got meat. So they followed her outside the store and they found it in there. And the bloke came back in and said, yeah, she had this steak and sausages. I said, she's probably been thieving on a daily basis. He said, well, she's a regular. I said, well, she's been thieving on a daily basis then. He said, but all the staff know her. I said, of course they do. That's what people do. They go, hello, how are you? And you get distracted. She's thieving. That's what she does. I told you, I, I stood behind a woman who picked up a very expensive box of chocolates. And uh, she was in the queue for the till, and obviously she thought, oh, I'll look around. So she just walks out the back of the store. She's, she's shoplifted it. So the co-op have had to come up with uh, a different system, hiding the meat. You have to ask for it if you want steak. Although I can't imagine, you know, most people use butchers now. If indeed you can find a butcher, there's not very many left, are there, really? Uh, Jason says, a lot colder this morning. Did you think so? Do you, oh, you thought so? Oh, right. Producer thought so. so. I didn't think it was that cold this morning. Anna says, I hate blood tests. I know. I just, it's, luckily today it's only blood pressure. So that's, that's OK, actually. I can just about get, uh, get by. Uh, Steve, I've become addicted to tomato juice. Right. 
I see. I like tomato juice as well. I'm one of the very few people around here who can drink tomato juice. Some people absolutely hate it. Hate it. They, I don't know why people don't like. They think it. But I used to drink it because they were talking. Darren was talking this morning, very interestingly, about the amount of people who are cutting back on booze. <clears throat> and they had one lady who I think I recognised her voice actually. Uh, I think she pops into Twickenham on a regular basis, called Julie. I think she came up as Julie. And she was talking about the eight cans of booze that she drinks a day. And uh, and I was thinking actually back to the fact that I didn't drink or start drinking till I was about 18, 19. Uh, my brother was drinking before me because we used to uh, have Sunday lunch. If we had a family Sunday lunch, if I was at home at the time, and we'd have chicken and roast potato. My mother made the best roast potatoes. I don't care what anybody else says. My mother made the best ones. And there would be wine on the table, but I never drank it. So I would drink either tomato juice or orange juice. And I used to absolutely love tomato juice. I mean, I became obsessed with tomato juice. So every plane I got on, when they would come round and they go, what, what would you like to drink? I'd go, can I have two tomato juices? And I'd order a packet of crisps as well. So when we used to go out to pubs, I'd drink tomato juice. It was a standing joke that I never drank alcohol. I didn't like the taste of it. I didn't like the taste of it. And then when you do start drinking, you start thinking, oh, I've had some bad nights for years. I mean, I don't I don't get drunk now, although I'm supposed to. Because I think when you get to a certain age, you do start drink affects you in a different way. So I've got a lot of friends of mine who are older than I am and they don't drink as much. I think Darren said that he's actually cut back huge amounts of uh, of. Of Al- is it what? Is it Sheffield boy? He he actually knows all about drinking alcohol because we were talking about this earlier on. In fact, yesterday we were talking about him him drinking alcohol and him saying during the week it's very difficult if you get up early in the morning you can't you can't go out drinking. So my advice would be stop drinking. You know because you don't want to sort of get yourself into that situation where every night you're drinking and every night you're as boring as you were the night before and people go oh he's drinking again and all that kind of stuff so so I'm I'm actually quite lucky because I don't go out to pubs I used to but I don't if I have a drink now it'll be with a it'll be sort of with a meal or something like that but uh, as they're going to put up the price of some bevies in the budget not going to affect me because I don't drink beer but it's, a, it's only a penny on a pint. How people can complain about that? They always go, oh, it'll be a tax on the working classes. Assuming that nobody else... Drew. You don't think Philip sits down and goes, what do you hear, Sherry? You know, they probably have a small Dubonnet. I think that's what... Uh, the Queen Mother used to like Dubonnet. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I myself have had a Dubonnet in my time. But to be honest with you, the good thing about this, this show is that you can't drink at this time of the morning. I'm not thinking as a social experiment whether we could... No, no, absolutely not. So what are the papers uh, telling you? Uh, They're telling you in the Daily Star that Danny Dyer's back in EastEnders. Uh, The Brits are feeling so fantastic. Well, actually not. We're feeling tantastic. The one thing that we want in this country we're obsessed with is changing colour. I've got no idea why. What is it about a tan that makes you feel better? And the answer is, it's because you look healthier with a tan. If you're sort of pale and insipid like I am, I mean, I look at myself and I think, oh, God. Would I look better with a tan? Yes. Would I want to risk tanning? Um, no, probably not. I've used fake tans before in the past, but to be honest with you, they're not much use to me. You get it stained. Um, I don't, when I go in the sun, what I tend to do is the top of my head burns to pieces and I then peel. I look like a rather cheap ice cream cone. It doesn't really work. And then you wake up in the morning and half your bed is covered 
in sort of dead skin. It's horrible, actually. I'm self-employed as well, says Scott in Bishop Auckland. But when you work for a company for more than two years, you're not classed as casual staff anymore and entitled to more rights. Not radio presenters, I have to tell you. I think that law's been changed, actually. I used to contract for NHS, but after two years, they had to offer me a permanent job, says Scott. Yeah, it doesn't work uh, like that in, uh, in radio and television. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you another thing that they do. I don't know if he still does it, but he used to. In all Cameron Mackintosh's shows, they employ somebody, I think, for two years. And after two years, even if the show's still running, everybody's off, and then they re-employ you again, depending if they actually want to. Um... You know, if they want to sign again, because you don't want somebody stuck in a show. And this, as I've explained before, if you have a television presenter like David Walliams, who doesn't rate, um, in fact, Hemorrhage's audience, mind you, like poor old John Bishop and everybody else who touches that nightly show. I don't know why it's not working. I've watched it. It just looks like a horrible, silly mess. It really does look like a horrible, silly mess with probably a lot of people faffing around with clipboards and everything backstage and turning out utter drivel on the television. It's just not not good enough. And, uh, and I don't know what the answer is. I mean, not just scrapping. I think it needs rethinking, but they should have done that beforehand. Should have done it beforehand. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Actually, when we were asking earlier on this morning, and it's, uh, it's cropped up in the papers, why we're not happy in this country. Apparently, people in Norway are happier than we are. Uh, Phil Vickery says he's happy because he's just come back from uh, filming at the British Pie Awards. How lovely. I wish pies were, were not fattening. I wish they were not fat. And I don't know whether or not if I eat a pie, if it's got a short crust pastry or a flaky pastry, whether flaky pastry would not be as fattening. Because they do do a nice pie. I've seen a chicken and asparagus pie, which I quite, uh, I quite fancy, actually. My friend uh, Ian, um, <laughs> I was tweeting earlier. I don't know what I was tweeting, actually. Right, that well, rubbish. I said, I'm the only radio show which has been brand leader for years. Hashtag blow your own trumpet. Why don't you? <laughs> <coughs> Made me feel a bit better about life, actually. Uh, Gordon Ramsay reckons he could have been in the SAS. OK, that's fine. And um, and some of the other news stories, apart from uh, Danny Dyer going back into EastEnders. Why does that make any difference, actually? I'm really not sure. Poor old white van man. He's complained to just about everybody and nobody's listening to him. Nobody's listening at all. Uh, also, doctors are told treat sepsis within one hour. These are symptoms. I didn't even know what it was until we started talking about it on LBC. And you go to A&E immediately if your child has got any one of the following. Uh, looks mottled, bluish or pale. Feels abnormally cold to the touch. Is breathing fast. Has a rash that doesn't fade when you press it. Has a fit or a convulsion. That's when you, you call 999. One of those occasions where you're justified in calling 999. Uh, the Queen uh, opening this, uh, this memorial the other day. The royal family turn up. Uh, Tony Blair was there. Why? I can't imagine. And the little boy who really didn't want to meet the Queen, he, all, his, all he had to do was hand the Queen the bouquet. OK, take the bouquet, give it... No. So he pinched a flower out the middle of it. I imagine the Queen's probably quite used to things like that. Uh, crisis for the bank over the woman chief who misled MPs. Uh, this is the most senior woman they've got. Charlotte Hogg, a close ally of Governor Mark Carney, didn't reveal where her brother, Quinton Hogg, worked when she joined the bank as Chief Operating Officer in 2013. God, we moan, don't we? Don't we moan all the time? Uh, Esther Ranson, having children late, only now besotted by her grandchildren. Does she realise the price she may have to pay because she won't see him grow up? She's 76. She's saying that, you know, she might not... She doesn't know how long she's got. She's hoping she makes it to 82. You know, but we just don't know, do we? We really do not know. We have no idea. That's that 
age-old question I've asked you a million times before. If there was a book that you could open up and it would tell you on the day that you were going to be departing this mortal coil, would you open the book or would you not bother? Anna says the Scandinavian countries are the happiest. When we went to Oslo, that... God, it was cold. Oh, it was freezing cold. But people looked happy. You know why? They, They seem to be happier with very little... And I know that seems ridiculous, but when I look in in London, I mean, London's got everything. I know we're the capital. I know we've got super-duper rich shops. We've got people who drive around in super-duper flash cars, you know, and people who go and spend a fortune on jewellery and clothes and, you know, thousands of pounds on an outfit. And yet over there, they seem to have, you know, jumpers and things. They're very practical, very practical. Somebody was talking about earlier on the Christmas tree and the lights, uh, you know, predictably finished. No, not at all, actually. Not at all. I know because I helped cut down the Christmas tree we had one year. And uh, a lot of the lights that they have over there are just normal Christmas tree lights. Our ones over here are shoddy. Very, very shoddy. It's just one little ring at the top with them going down. Why they can't do it like the Covent Garden Christmas tree? I've got no idea. Spring is certainly here, says little Julie. Uh, lovely day yesterday. My weather app says 16 degrees. 16 degrees. Well, it'll be nice as I'm having blood pressure taken. I bet she asked to see feet. They always do that. They, they, they get you in there under false pretenses. I'm convinced. Dean says Danny Dye is a mug. A mug. Um, I suppose could be, actually. And uh, what else we got? A lot of people talking about the uh, the weather. Only bought Dubonnet once. Alan Dedicote was drinking it when we were to a Wogan listener convention, says Phil. I'd organised at St Andrews University. Also present Paul Walters, John Marsh and Fran Godfrey. And that's my name dropping down. If only I knew who those people were. I didn't know who any of those people were. You're happily name dropping to me. The only place... I only ever met Wogan once. I only ever met him once. Seems ages ago, doesn't it, that he, uh, that he sort of departed. Went to the cinema yesterday. It says, Stan, to see the Viceroy's House with Hugh Bonneville and Gillian Anderson. Very educational film by the BBC. Explaining the background to the formation of India and Pakistan very clearly. And Mountbatten's role in the process. Well, that's, well, that's, I'll push that. I shall put that on my list, actually. And uh, Steve, as I look towards the east, towards Southend-on-Sea, the whole sky is a wonderful red. Should we expect the old shepherd's warning? What do they say? Red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Red sky in the morning... Shepherd's warning. Um, Chalky, thank you. I think they've already said it's going to be nice today. I think so. Although it, it does change. Uh, somebody says, uh, I felt your loyalty towards your mum's potatoes. Thank you. I do, I do. My mother made the best crispy roast potatoes. It's only on a couple of occasions that I think it was last year that my two Christmas dinners that I had, one at my godchildren's, when we had... Um, I can't remember how we all sat down, actually. My God, how did we manage that one? There was there were certainly loads of us. Oh, that's right. We assembled different tables in the city. We took up the whole of the sitting room with this table that was all bits and pieces. And it was the best roast potatoes. And then I went to my brother's the next day and they were equally as good. It's the first year I've ever had two really good lots of crispy roast potatoes. They've got to be crispy. I know that we were warned about not having um, crispy roast potatoes. Anything that looks sort of brown or charred. Uh, but I, I don't care. Yesterday I had scampi. I don't have scampi very often. It's only because it's sort of, it's not really proper scampi, is it? It's sort of the tail or something. But uh, I thought it was quite nice. Uh, how did you know about the event at the Tricycle Theatre with Dame Judy Dench and Dame Maggie Smith? Uh, because I promoted it. I promoted it with the man who came all the way from Downton Abbey to tell me all about it. And that was Jim. Jim. Yeah, Jim, Jim was here. Uh, the one who's married to Imelda Staunton. 
and he was he was uh, co-hosting it up there. I think it was called In Conversation, and they got Dame Maggie Smith and Judy Dench because one of my listeners sent me a photo which she's had taken with both of them. And uh, it raised a lot of money. It sold out. That one sold out because the chance of getting those two ladies on the stage and Jim as well was uh, was quite a rarity. I was a little bit jealous, a little bit jealous. Uh, Steve, you were just saying you don't drink much anymore. What about Sambuca Friday? Never again, Anne. Seriously, I mean, that one, that sort of did uh, did affect me. Somebody sent me in a lovely picture of Dawn in Yorkshire. And very nice she looks too. And, uh, and it's very pretty. It is lovely, isn't it? You know, that, that's why this time of the morning is the best. Because the sky looks beautiful. You know, if you live up at Sky or you're in Yorkshire, you've got all that. It just looks beautiful, doesn't it? It's either that or the place is on fire. Difficult to tell, really. Uh, also in the paper today, May, time to get on with EU exit. Hammond, this is on the Express, urged to reverse budget tax grab. It's not going to change. Not going to change at all. Uh, and inside, the boy who brought smiles to a solemn day. Well, in fact, everybody was solemn except Prince Andrew. seemed to be laughing his head off at something. I can't imagine why. Very inappropriate. The people smugglers making a lot of money. They're still doing it. They're still out there. We just don't have the capability of, uh, of stopping people smuggling people in. And the fury over Crufts ban on dogs wearing ribbons. Who dresses dogs up? I don't like it. Never have done. And they've got pictures here of dogs wearing snazzy headgear. I mean, I'm sorry. I just think it's cruelty. These animals don't need to wear it. Dogs don't need to wear a snood. Excuse me. They really don't. Uh, the ban has not gone down well as dogs and owners began arriving for the show. There's a, a veteran Shih Tzu uh, judge warning bows and other adornments will not be permitted. Thank God for that. Perhaps crossbreeding might be stopped as well as you watch animals barely able to walk. It's terrible, really. The Californian breeder, Kathy Garcia, said, I feel the self-righteousness of the statement rubs the rest of us up the wrong way. You do as you're told, all right? I don't like crufts at the best of times. I don't like dressing animals up. You can buy everything. Booties, little... I mean, one time it was only just little jewelled collars for poodles. Now it seems to be... Um, it just seems to be every dog. If, if I see dogs dressed up, I will tut when I go past. I, I just don't like it. I like people who, who spray their pets different colours. You know, these are these are people even worse. Even worse. Terrible. Uh, what have we got here? Oh, somebody asking me, just for the news, what's the weather going to be today in Staines? Oh, every day. Gloomy, overcast. But it doesn't matter because it'll be brightened up by somebody having a new tattoo done and then probably heading off to the Jeremy Kyle show. So the forecast today is, wait a minute, cloud thickening, dry start, spot of drizzle along southern coast because we're apparently southeast, I've now discovered. I thought we were southwest. And tonight, cloudy and mainly dry, thicker cloud gradually clearing, some breaks developing overnight with a risk of isolated fog patches. Whoopie-doo, how exciting. And I'm going to Essex tomorrow. Not anywhere where the cast of the, uh, of the show go to, I think, which would be much better. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Coming up at 7 o'clock this morning on LBC, Nick Ferrari with breakfast. Knife crime offences are at their highest level since 2011. Why have we descended into knife crime hell? I suppose because they're easy to buy, aren't they? And some, I'm always amazed that, you know, we've not had a story for about a week, I think, now, <clears throat> about knife crime, but invariably it's young people who go to parties and then somebody gets knifed and before you know where you are, we've got another death on our hands. Head teachers are warning of a crisis in education funding that means schools are being forced to act some GCSE and A-level courses. Plus, why are more parents using surrogates 
than ever before. All with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 here on LBC. Uh, the search has been called off for a missing doctor distressed about the NHS. And uh, women say new man around the home. He's a myth. He doesn't exist. Uh, Jamie says, I hear Mel and Sue are unable to do the show uh, one week. This is the nightly show. He says, I'm available and cheap. And then somebody, uh, Jamie as well, who says, if they stop trying to copy James Corden, they find a way to make it work. What they need is to do something like um, the the show that Frank Skinner does, Room 101. So, you know, why don't they put that on there? I know it's somebody else's format, but just buy Because what they're doing at the moment is rubbish, absolute rubbish. It's just of no interest to anybody. And I've spoken to quite a number of people, let me tell you. And they are of exactly the same opinion that, uh, that I am. Uh, 84850 steve at uk. I like the idea of, uh, of pies. Uh, Jonathan Shallot, who's uh, probably on his walking machine. He's got this thing. He does this, like, power walking. You know, you get these sticks. You know, you see people out on the road. There's a name for it, isn't it? And they've got... It looks like they're going off skiing. And they're sort of doing that. It's a way of sort of keeping the, uh, the arms and the legs moving. But uh, he always tweets every day. And I always... I know that he's listening into the programme. He just likes to find out if I'm talking about any of his clients. <laughs> Always amuses me, actually, because I need an updated list of, uh, of exactly what he's got. So the front pages of the, uh, of the papers, the, the stories picking up really on what we've been talking about on LBC over the last couple of days, which is the, the campaign to axe Hammond's tax raid fight van scam. They're now saying if they're diesel vans, get rid of them. So, in other words, there's a bit more expense. Having been told by the government to buy diesel because diesel was the way forward, now, now get rid of the blooming things. And so the Sun are demanding Philip Hammond axes his hated tax rate on the self-employed. It's only 240 quid a year. I should imagine the journalist who probably wrote this is also self-employed. In fact, I would think probably most journalists out there are self-employed. So they want to axe it. Um, I've never heard of them axing something. They might sort of change something a little bit, but I don't think they're going to do anything like that at all. Also, Nicole Kidman, the reason she was clapping like a seal is because apparently she had a big diamond ring on and uh, she didn't want to damage it. How that works, I've got no idea. It, it wasn't hers, it was somebody else's. It's a borrowed piece of jewellery. They, they do that. You know when you ever, you ever go to the Oscars and something like that, they go, would you like to wear uh, this? You know, it's a very nice Primark outfit or whatever. And of course people don't. And so she was uh, she was sort of clapping and it just looked slightly strange. Uh, dogs. Neil says Gracie loves wearing my shooting hat, Steve. <laughs> what? She told you that? Hello? <laughs> you know me and dressing dogs up. I've got a thing. About it. it's, I don't I can probably cope with a hat like that. That's a flat cap. I think that's OK for amusement purposes. But, you know, booties. And little coats and, oh, no, 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 sorry. Uh, Grieving Faddy, talking to the son. This is George Michael's uh, boyfriend. Uh, Up until the moment he died, he was George Michael's boyfriend. Uh, Would he be going to the funeral? I don't know. It'd be an absolute tragedy if they they exclude him. Because, frankly, um, he was the boyfriend. If they'd got married, he'd be telling the family whether or not they could be going to the funeral. If they were married, that would be up to him. He can then make the decision because he was sort of married. You can't, you know, unfortunately, you can't pick uh, family members. But he says, I'm left out of George's funeral, mainly because nobody said anything to him. But he's in one of George's houses at the moment and nobody's dared throw him out. Uh, lest, you know, they don't know what the will says. Wouldn't it be funny if the will leaves him a huge amount of money? That's going to upset a few little, uh, few little people, I think. Uh, it's called Nordic Walking, says Julie. Come along to Hounslow Heath every Saturday. We do it then. 
Nordic walking. That it is. It's. I see people doing it on the side of the. But I don't. I don't really know. And I'm sure that Jonathan Shallot does it. I'm pretty. I'm 99% certain he does. Uh, preheat the oil, Steve. Crispy roast parboil. Yeah. Nobody did it as good as my mother. They were in the oven. They were. They were delicious. <laughs> they were absolutely delicious. Really was. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Dave says, what type of fat or oil do your godchildren and your brother cook roast for? I've got no idea. Seriously, I, I, I stay well away from things like that. I've got no idea. But I just know that last year was the best roast potato year we've ever had. Oh, and Theresa May has snapped hiking. So she's doing exactly the same, walking in a forest with these sticks. Is it a fashion? Is it, is it, is it sort of something that's sort of... That's due? That was her summer holiday. Oh, right. I've seen loads of people doing it. It's, it looks quite interesting. I don't know. Not for me, of course. Um, Steve, 84850. Steve at LBC. Alinka says, you appear to be very apprehensive about having your BP taken. Actually, I'm not bothered about blood pressure. It's just a little sleeve that goes over my arm and they sort of pump it up and then they let it go down again. So at one point, your skin's all tight and they take the reading and then do it again. They generally do it three times. Do you know whether you suffer from white coat syndrome? I might. I might. Actually, it's the, it's the needle thing. It's the needle thing. I mean, I'm really just not very good with needles. Little needles, I'm fine. I can inject myself with no trouble. I don't sort of... Sometimes it hurts, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, it's it's the bigger needles for taking the blood. Why they can't use little needles, I don't know. So I get slightly disturbed even thinking about it. So, front pages of the uh, the papers. Oh, the, the pilot walks out of his seat on an aeroplane. This is on a, on a British Airways uh, flight. And he gives a safety demo... While it taxis to the runway, he left the co- and somebody's going. Excuse, who's flying this thing? It was actually on the on the ground, I believe. He appeared at the front of the jumbo jet before takeoff to point out the emergency exits. I thought that's what the stewardesses did, don't they? And there's two doors to the side, two doors to the rear, two doors to the front. In the event of the plane crashing in the sea, uh, lights will come on down the middle, and uh, there's a jacket under your seat, and there'll be a whistle and a torch. In other words, you're going to a disco. Uh, and so people can blow a whistle, and that's and that's what they say. But nobody ever watches it. Have you noticed? I must be the only one who sits on planes and watches the safety message going out. Every other people are sitting there. So oh, have you gone holiday last year? I oh, watched Lanzigrotta, you know. And I'm sitting there watching this, thinking that these poor stewardesses must sit there going, "Will you watch me?" Used to be a lovely singer years ago called Bertice Redding, and uh, Bertice Redding used to come and see me on LBC quite a lot. She was a big black woman. She was lovely. And we went off to a lot of charity events and she did one in Tobacco Dock. And she wasn't getting paid for it. It was a charity do. And she sang the blues like nobody sang the blues. And uh, (coughs) halfway through the set, she stopped. She stopped the band because people were talking. She said, excuse me. I didn't get dressed up to come and sing for you tonight so that you can sit there and talk among yourselves. She said, if you like, I can carry on singing, or I can go home. Your call. And they all clapped her and she carried on singing. Terribly rude, you know, people talking during... It's like you don't go to the theatre and expect to hear people chatting next to you, do you? Absolutely not. Uh, Daily Express this morning, Hammond urged to reverse budget tax grab. This is going to run for a few days. It's going to run over the weekend. It's not going to happen, I don't think. Uh, the Queen leads the moving tributes to Britain's fallen war heroes. Prince Andrew having an uproariously funny time. Ha, 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 what? I can't imagine. You're honouring the war dead, for goodness sake. Uh, May, time to get on with the EU exit, and it could be triggered as early as Tuesday. Daily Star today, Danny Dyer back in EastEnders. Secret party to welcome him home. Who cares? 
I mean, seriously, that's the best we've got. It was getting a little bit desperate. I mean, luckily, it didn't make the papers. It'll probably make them tomorrow. That uh, I think I'll probably do it on my free podcast for today. That Gemma Collins has gone back out with, uh, with an ex she finished with three years ago. Because most of the things in her life are backwards. And uh, she can't find anybody. And she's now decided, having had the one-night stand, as she politely told us, with, um, with Arge Argent. That's the one who doesn't really have a brain cell that's in operation this century. And, um, and then she didn't get pregnant. She now wants to go back out with her ex-boyfriend from ages ago. In between that, she's been out with a man who's in prison and a few other people. Uh, but she now she's decided she wants his children. I can't help feeling it just sounds like a photo opportunity, doesn't it? Very depressing when children are used in uh, in such a way. Uh, Brits are feeling so tan-fastic. Temperatures rising, they say. So, in fact, they say it's uh, hotter than Athens. Oh, it can't be. I mean, they say that. I mean, how can it be hotter than Athens? That's just ridiculous. I always thought Athens was absolutely boiling. And here we go. We're probably going to find out now. Yes, yesterday in Athens. Well, today they've got 12 degrees and uh, they've got sun. Oh, they've got sunshine, a bit of rain. Uh, that's at two o'clock, five o'clock, sixteen degrees. So double it and add thirty. So uh, thirty-two, sixteen. Oh, brilliant, is it? Why do we think Athens is going to be boiling? But then you sort of think to yourself: heavy rain shower, humidity seventy-five percent. I never understand what that means. I seriously don't know. I don't sort of worry about it too much. Tuesday, it's going to be 17 degrees as well. Saturday, tomorrow, 14 degrees. Rugby in Twickenham, late kick-off. It's 4pm tomorrow. Big game, Scotland. So there'll be lots of people having uh, having beverages all over the place. <coughs> A lot of people who they thought were ill are not going to be ill. So uh, they're going to be playing as well. So uh, the back line is unchanged for the trip to Twickenham. Uh, Scotland haven't won there since 1983. <laughs> Who are they playing? They're playing England. It's England, isn't it? <laughs> they haven't won since 1983. There's going to be no chance of winning anything there. I should, be, <laughs> I should be out there. There'll be lots of people in kilts. That's all I can tell you. The Scots do come down in kilts. I always like the rugby crowd. They're always quite good. So that'll be nice tomorrow. And of course, I won't be there. And uh, I should be out for the day from early morning. I'll probably get back at you just as they're turning out, but I'll be heading the right way. Uh, Owen Farrell is an injury concern. He, he was limping after training, I think. Uh, Binny Villipola is among the replacements after three months out. I mean, that's as good as an, as good as uh, uh, sort of you know, pronunciation you're going to get on this programme. It's about as good. Uh, Jack Noel replaces Johnny May on the wing. Ben Young returns for Danny Kerr at scrum half. And Jonathan Joseph is in for Ben Teo outside centre. Look at me talking about rugby. You never thought, did you? I certainly didn't. That it could, I could sit down, I could sit in on scores tomorrow, couldn't I? And I, I could actually do the commentary from from Twickenham, well, from Witten, and I could actually, uh, I could actually do that. And then people would be going, Steve Allen doing, doing rugby commentary. Bit of a turn up for the books, isn't it, really? What next? Over 35, Nudist Leapfrog, which I think we'll be doing a little bit later into the uh, the summer. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Well, I've pleased one person this morning. Mike says, your rugby was spot on, like one of the lads in the clubhouse. Bring it on. Swing. Oh, no, we can't do that, can we? You can't do the swing low, sweet chariot. Can't sing Delilah. God, honestly. Another avenue of pleasure denied for people. You can't sing swing low, sweet chariot because... It's uh, a slavery song. Well, they think they're not they're not actually totally convinced. They think that it's a slave singing about he wants to be taken to heaven because it's got to be better than the place he is at the moment. But as I say, they don't know this. This is what they've sort of tried to work out. And you can't sing Delilah because it's about somebody murdering somebody. 
So there you go. Uh, great satire show found on Dave is Unspun with Matt Ford. New format, worth a look. It should be unique, not copycat stuff, says John in York. Yeah, that is the problem with the nightly show. It's, it's just also people are putting their, their, their careers on the line. And so when you've got David Walliams, who, to be honest with you, you know, we've seen the gags. I've seen the gags. I've seen the gay stuff. I've seen him sort of pretending to be gay. And then we've seen this other thing where he sort of jokes about Simon Cowell. It's just dreary. We've seen it a million times. Apart from that, he's just not funny. Just not funny. You know, it's, it's just not funny. And that proved it. The audience went and started vanishing. By the time poor old John Bishop got there, they were hemorrhaging like there was no tomorrow. More people pushing cameras around on it. And you don't see many of those, do you, on the show? Because it's all hidden stuff now. I think the cameraman is dying out. Because you don't see them. Even on Sky, do you see a cameraman? No, they're all remote operated. They're just in the ceiling. And somebody, some unseen person sitting in a control room, you know, watching maybe another more interesting channel, is just moving the cameras about. They can't get the lighting right at all. Poor old... One of the uh, the uh, the poor old uh, presenters on the, the programme, I don't want to say which one because it sounds embarrassing, he's not lit properly at all. I mean, he really should be much, much better lit. I mean, he... Poor old Steve Dick... Oh, sorry. He, um, but, I mean, he's, he's beginning to look like he's a different colour from everybody else in the studio. So, but, but there's no cameramen. You don't find them anymore. It's somebody just doing a remote operation. Front page of the Daily Mirror, The Forgotten Famine. I told you about this two days ago. And only now are the papers picking up. The Mirror's finally gone onto the front line of Somalia's tragedy. There's more than 100 people died already. People are dying of hunger. People are dying of hunger. How can it be that, you know, in this day and age, there are still people dying of hunger? The NHS crisis, now A&E, has the worst month on record. May's budget fails to tackle the cash shortage in the health service. They've said they're going to pump more money in. But it doesn't stop people who just go and sit in A&E for most of the day. You know, people who don't need to be in A&E, people who are just wasting time. They should sort them out at the door. What's the matter with you? I've just, I've cut my, my toe. We'll go and put a plaster on it. You know, when we were younger, I mean, come on, count how many times on one hand, ladies and gentlemen. When you were younger, you know, growing up. How many times did you spend in A&E? Answer, hardly ever. Hardly ever. In fact, I can't even remember going to the doctors. It was all solved by what was in the medicine cabinet. There was either a plaster, calamine lotion, or Andrew's liver salts. Oh, there was also some uh, some uh, Beecham's powders, which we always thought was terribly exciting. You unwrapped the little packet. Uh, or some Halliborange tablets. That was about it. Oh, there might have been some, um, some germaline, because I love the smell of germaline. And, and that was about it. A pair of tweezers. You got a little splinter. It was a very simple little medicine chest. We didn't go and sit in A&E because, well, what's the matter? Got a splinter. Well, go and buy a pair of tweezers. Get out. These people should be kicked out immediately. Uh, Jerry Horner, that's Jerry Halliwell, as was, has told how she's named her son after close pal George Michael because her mum said it would be a tribute. Not his first name, his middle name. So obviously not a tribute at all. Just could be anything, couldn't it, really? But uh, I thought that George gave up on, on Jerry Halliwell. He obviously thought she wasn't the fun person. Do you know her stuff is in a museum? One of her dresses is in some museum that they're moving, together with the British music experience, including Honey G's hat. There's a career that disappeared, as I predicted. And what? Are the Ziggy Stardust outfits, yes. Uh, lovely. Don't forget TCP. TCP? See, Jonathan Levi says T- TCP covered everything, didn't it? A bite... Uh, or a, a scratch or something like that, bit of TCP on there. Simple stuff. As I say, now people go and sit there in A&E, wasting everybody's time. I'd be having a field day. I really would, actually. Uh, Dave in Tunbridge Wells. 
The sticks give you 20% more power when walking. Ah, right. That's what it is. These are these these power sticks. Nordic walking, apparently. Uh, Steve, I found wild boar sausages at a Berry St Edmunds butcher and was offered a couple to try. But um, I was charged £1.50. Well, I should imagine they're not exactly the most common things to find, Lord Ez, are they, really? Well, I mean, I've never tried wild boar sausages. I wanted the ones they had in Costco and they've stopped doing them. I don't know why. And it was like a frankfurter with cheese in the middle, but with bacon wrapped round it. They were quite delicious. Uh, I'm a Pilates teacher, says Jane, and some people talk all the way through a class. So rude, isn't it? It's like I'm doing this programme. I don't expect, you know, people to talk during my programme. I expect you to hang on every word. I've not, not sat here carefully crafting a programme, discussing my knowledge of rugby for people just to poo-poo it, which luckily Mike didn't. Uh, mentioning Bertice Redding, says Mike, took me back to when I worked at the King's Head in Islington and she performed there. What a voice. What a woo! Happy, happy. Oh, I got something for you too. I got something for you too. <laughs> it's the same as what you got the other day. <laughs> it's another bot. We've got this thing where we're all doing exchanging presents. It's like, what do they call it? You know when you take presents into people? What do they call it? It's like gifting. a pre- You know when you take presents in and somebody buys you presents, somebody, and they, they'd have to do it at a, you know, you don't want to spend too much money. Uh, the Daily Mail, Tory tax retreat after just 24 hours. The Guardian, Staunton. Do you know, Imelda Staunton could do no wrong at all in my books. Very, very clever. Very clever. And uh, she's starring in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. She gets five-star reviews. Everybody loves her. Seriously, she could stand there just on the stage and just not, not do a thing. And people would clap and wolf whistle. and oh, no, Maybe not wolf whistle. Uh, expert comment and analysis on the budget from Alistair Heath, Lord Tebbit, uh, James Kirkup, Michael Deacon, Jeremy Warner and others. Uh, plus May denies breaking Tory tax promise. I can't even remember what they said now. Uh, but uh, finally, the Financial Times this morning uh, has got a picture on the front page of Nicholas Sturgeon and Theresa May attending this ceremony at Horse Guards Parade in London. And uh, everybody was there looking suitably solemn, except as I say for Prince Andrew, <coughs> who's pictured in one of the papers, roaring his head off. I really can't imagine why, honestly. No sense of the occasion. Uh, plus the tax rate to shrink as the wage growth slows after Brexit. Those and other stories you will find between the uh, pages of the papers today. Poor white van man comes in for again, uh, comes in for it. They're going to be complaining forever and a day. And at the end of it, it's only 240-odd quid. If they can't find 240-odd quid with the money that white van man makes, and this, of course, they're obviously not making as much money as I thought they were making, well, then, you know, they need to maybe think it. Because I just assumed if you could afford to run a white van... It was all um, it was all OK. But obviously some white van men can't actually afford to do it. 240 quid a year is going to practically bankrupt them. I'm more worried about the fact that uh, George Michael's boyfriend should be allowed to go to his funeral. That's just the final kick in the teeth. But as I say, who's got the will? Who's got the will? That's what I want to know. And uh, Meghan Markle going out on a publicity shot. So it's a posed shot of her uh, looking concerned. It's called Doing a Diana. Uh, plus, yesterday we had all the uh, the cricketing boys. Now they've got cricket wags out there. Unfortunately, you can't have cricket wags. I hate to point this out to the paper, but it's only uh, wives and girlfriends of footballers because they're the sort of the sort of the lower end of the scale. The uh, the cricketers are way above the footballers. Don't make the money that the footballers make, but I promise you, uh, they're much better qualified. And the expert calculating which gravity-defying breasts are best. 
And there's all sorts of people. They've got sort of pictures of uh, Melanie Sykes, Kim Marsh, Taylor Swift. Uh, it's all the uh, all the usual suspects here. Danny Minogue, Britney Spears, Katie Price. Poor old Katie, honestly, I feel so sorry for her. Uh, she does have a reality show coming up, but it'll be on a channel that nobody will be watching. Somebody called Iggy Azalea. I think she's sort of a rapper. Uh, Kyle Jenner and Vicky Patterson. So it's all the... Why Melanie Sykes is in there? But she's had her boob enhanced five years ago. She's 46. Oh, at least. At least, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, have yourself a lovely day. It is Friday. You can enjoy yourself. You can, you know, push the boat out and go, yeah, you know, do, do whatever you want today. Go completely mad. Weather should be all right and should be quite nice. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning. The best of Steve Allen tomorrow between five and six, between six and seven. It's In Conversation. And tomorrow it's Kate Garraway and Sarah Pascoe. So it's the girls tomorrow and the programme is repeated on Sunday evening at nine o'clock and then you can download it as a podcast. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Have a lovely, lovely day. And uh, remember, be careful and be nice to people. Let's be happy today, shall we? You can listen to LBC whenever you want. Wherever you are, download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at 10, James O'Brien. But before that, with breakfast on LBC... Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.